bummer that the air show is postponed, but uh, yeah, we did we did share your news on our Facebooks. Yes, unfortunate that safety because they've got to practice and stuff before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. So uh, the governor was on yesterday and he confirmed it. Just before anybody else had this. So what was the thought? They're they're thinking about doing it um, at a later time? As soon as possible, yeah. Okay. Or are they just saying that? No, I think the planning committee is going to be working hard to see how quickly they can reschedule everything. Okay. Imagine some of these people have, uh, you know, bookings elsewhere, though. Sure. Yeah, exactly. All right, stand by. Okay. Yes. Cayman's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you? We are doing well. How are you doing? Good. Enjoying the weather, sort of, kind of, not really. Yeah, we're we're bummed the air show is uh, postponed. Yeah. Yes. The governor announced it uh, yesterday, I think, officially in our program um, before another, I guess, a statement was released. But he said, yeah, you know, they safety first. Mm-hmm. And so, um, unfortunately, the weather's simply not cooperating. Yeah. And, um, we're going to just have to reschedule it soon. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, we were just talking uh, earlier at the top of the show that it's not cooperating in London either. Uh, the Queen had uh, was on board a plane yesterday. And uh, had to abort a landing because of uh, rain and hail and lightning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Gosh. That's Kiss Kiss exclusive for you on CMR. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. So in today's news headlines, um, the Cayman Islands, you know, air show has been postponed. So the official word um, came down yesterday. Um, you know, basically the governor said it makes sense that uh, there's a lot of moving parts that go into pulling off a safe and enjoyable air show, which includes them being in the jurisdiction and being able to practice at least the day before. Mm-hmm. And the current weather conditions, unfortunately, that just isn't going to happen. So they will be rescheduling the air show um, as soon as they possibly can. Uh, no exact dates or anything as yet, but as soon as they can get, uh, you know, confirmation, they will let everybody know. And he said the planning committee was disappointed, but of course, you know, they have to make sure that safety is their number one priority. Okay. So the police are investigating yeah. a motor vehicle sales scam after receiving reports from people who attempted to purchase a black Honda Fit. And they have the registration number from a man who claims that it was for sale. So several persons paid a deposit or even made a full payment, but have not received delivery of the vehicle as yet. So the yeah. Do these people see the car and physically like drive this car before doing that. Well, you know, the police did not get into any of those details. All they okay. said is that they were advising the public that um, a rental company actually owns that car. So it looks like maybe they showed it to them. I'm not really sure. And the attempted sale of the vehicle is a scam because the person who is, I guess, trying to sell it doesn't actually own the vehicle. You have well, to own something before you can sell it, folks. Yeah, you should always look at the papers and match the person's ID to the papers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
you know, a lot yeah. of times we don't think about these things when you're giving up a deposit, right? You're like, oh, just yeah. here's a thousand dollars, hold it for me, especially if it's a good price. And this is the other thing. If it seems too true to be true, it probably isn't true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if the price is like really, really rock bottom, really good, there's say, probably a reason for that. Your time is a precious so, um, want to help you. What is that exactly? Something's playing. Yeah. Sorry. I remember. <laughs> I was like, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, it auto plays. Yeah. So just, just be careful with that folks. Um, you know, the police are warning you and in other police news, they have said that they have new uniforms and tactical equipment for their firearms response unit. So as we all know, the firearms response unit has been a lot busier than usual in recent years. Mm -hmm. um, They have gotten new equipment, which is going to roll out um, in June. And um, it seems to be all gray and like dark gray and light gray. So um, yeah, I mean, I guess they need it, right? Um, They're on the front line now in a lot of these different uh, incidents Mm -hmm. that involve firearm. So gray colored uniforms are going to replace the existing navy blue uniforms and they've been selected to make themselves different from other units so that when you see them, you know that they're the tactical um, firearms response unit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought the guns made them look different, but. How many, um, <laughs> how many, how many FRU, how big is the FRU? Um, I don't actually know that, to be honest. I'd have to inquire. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and I don't know if some people like work in a dual role, like FRU sometimes and then. You know, do others. I'm just wondering if, if we were ever to be invaded, you know, do we have enough uh, tactical team to... Who's going to invade us? I don't know. Anybody could. Like, we don't want uh, anybody protecting our coast? Coastline? Coast Guard. Well, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know. We've got, like, exactly. got a National Guard. Oh, my gosh. That exactly was so full of... <laughs> are they Are they armed? Uh, no, I don't believe that they are. Okay. You're gonna stop a, you know, you're gonna stop Captain Jack Sparrow and the pirates. The uh, pirates from invading. Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh, I don't know. Um, the Ministry of Agriculture. Whatever happens, happens. <laughs> what if Russia decides to drop a bunch of paratroopers? Oh you know? my gosh, uh, hmm. they'd be coming a long ways unless they left Cuba, I suppose. But yeah, maybe we'd have some help from regional. I feel like we're NATO alliance, considering <laughs> the UK. Yeah, I'm sure they would send people, but that's what I'm saying. What, what oh my God, you don't think the U.S. could get here in like five seconds? We're <clears throat> Nate, we're we're a part of the alliance, and then the British would get over here. Yeah, yeah. I just I mean the media. I also don't know who would want to like. It's a nice island. Just yeah, it's great. It out there. I know they want some coconuts, <laughs> mangoes. Um, <laughs> the Ministry of Agriculture has approved a broadened list of agricultural products that can now be imported to the Cayman Islands from Jamaica, effective May the 23rd, 23rd yes. Our products include plantains, breadfruit, soursop, as well as some uh, frozen ackies. We have to import breadfruit. Has anyone seen how much breadfruit we have on this island? I drive by like 1,200 trees every day. You do? So, I mean, I think, you know, these are staple items that are part are. of the Caribbean diet, so... I guess they might be in short supply. I don't personally know. You know, know there are local farmers too here. I my own plantain trees, by the way. Thanks to Marla. Yeah. Um, nice. I'm always getting fresh plantains these days. Oh, they taste so good. Yeah. Um, and we also have a breadfruit tree. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how in demand these items are. But 
you know, the idea is because of a lot of the global food supply chain issues and shortages, Cayman is now going to be partnering with some regional partners to ensure that um, we're less reliant and importing stuff from further away because, you know, there are logistical issues and cost issues and so on. So yeah. hopefully uh, this means that things will be cheaper to acquire. Um, in terms of food supplies. Man, speaking of which, I was at the grocery store yesterday and like, what is going on with the price of beef and steak? Oh, it's been, that's Holy been like crap. that for a while lately. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but I think the price of everything, including gas has gone up. So I don't know if you guys saw the pumps yesterday. We talked about yeah. this. Yeah, well, then they rise it and they never take it down because like beef and everything, they're just going to For filet, it was like $54 oh, a, no, it's crazy. a pound. Yeah, no, it's crazy. What? Yeah. Why don't we, we yeah. why don't we look at like Central America and South America? Well, they're, they're, it's they're they're working on it, Aaron. They're um, I understand that they're going to be going into some countries, but of course, one of the biggest issues is always quality control. Um, of you got to go, Sandy. And, yeah, you got to go to your oh, show. Yeah. <laughs> we just realized. We'll it. see you tomorrow. Yeah, but yeah. All right, guys, bye, yeah. folks. Look at the time. Look at the time. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Peppermint. Sorrel, ginger, fever grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. get away from us this morning we were talking about plantains and breadfruit and soursop and next thing you know um over on 106 it was like whoa it's 7 30 you gotta go it happens good morning to everyone so good to see you guys this morning i'm actually sitting down i think sometimes you can tell when i'm sitting down i don't know if you guys can tell or not but i'm actually sitting down this morning so most mornings 99 percent of um the mornings i actually stand up when i do my show um, because I figure, uh, just from a health perspective, I've been lying down all night, right? Well, not all night. I go to bed pretty, pretty late. So I've been lying down for the past five hours. And so I figure, yeah, I get the blood moving, you know, stand up. Um, I feel like some mornings I should be doing jumping jacks and stuff on the show just to get moving. But this morning, my energy feels a little bit like I just need to sit down. So some mornings, you know, you have, you have uh, ebb and flow in terms of your energy levels. And so maybe I need a good hearty breakfast. I haven't had my overnight oats in a while. So I'm going to try to go this morning and get some, but my schedule is so crazy that if I go and get the overnight oats, I have to come right back home to put them in the fridge. And a lot of times that just doesn't happen. So, um, but yeah, I feel like I need to get about 
three or four days worth of overnight oats that can take me into the weekend. Listen, they're good to eat any time of the day. You guys know I'm obsessed with good overnight oats. And um, I really like the ones that are the cupboard uh, coffee shop there. That's part of the Ritz Carlton. Funny enough, I don't really go there for anything else. Like I don't drink coffee. You guys who know me know I don't drink coffee or anything of the sort. Um, I will have tea occasionally. But there's just something about their overnight oats that's like amazing. It's really good. And they put in fresh fruits, blueberries, strawberries, and different stuff. And uh, it just tastes good. And it's very, very filling. I feel like when I eat the overnight oats, I can normally go, you know, until lunch and I'm not feeling hungry or anything of the sort. Plus, oats are supposed to be good for you. I don't normally, I'm not a big fan of oats normally, like oatmeal and stuff. I mean, I'll eat it, but you're not going to see me eating it normally smiling about it. But I eat it because they say, oh, it's good for you. Eh. Good morning, Miss Vernita. Good morning to Irvlyn. Marshall is here. Sherry, so good to see you. Haven't seen you in a minute. Uh, Diamond Princess is here. Alice is joining us. She said, good morning, Sandy and all. We've got Miss Joy from Texas. Melita from Grand Cayman. Celine says, good morning from Guyana. How are you guys doing? We're good, Celine. So good to see you. Uh, we love our international crew. And every single morning, we have people from all over the world um, joining us. I love when Caribbean people tune in, for sure. But we've got people from the UK, sometimes from France, and other places who are always tuned in. Carmely, good morning to you. Felicia's here. Um, Carmely is wondering why we um, we don't need with all this breadfruit. So she's saying, why are we importing breadfruit from overseas? So we have some guests who are slated to come in to the studio this morning, including people from Hazard Management to um, talk about hurricane season, which kicks off this morning. So we'll give them a minute or so, hopefully they're gonna be on time before they come in. And we do have the minister who's coming in around 8.15 this morning. And then around 9.30, we're going to be doing a remote session where Jean will join us on location um, at a job fair this morning. So for those of you who are still looking for employment opportunities, I want to invite you to go by the Tortuga event this morning and check it out. So let's go ahead and play that little reminder video right now for your benefit. Are you a superstar who's ready to work with a fast-paced, rapidly developing company? Then come on down because we want to meet you. Tortuga Rum Company Cayman is having a job fair. We are excited to get back to business and will be hosting a job fair on Wednesday, June 1st at our 7 Mile Shops location. We are hiring all positions, including store reps, warehouse staff, and delivery drivers. Don't miss this opportunity to bring your A-game at the Tortuga Recruitment Day. All right, folks. So, um, yes, the minister will be joining us this morning as well to tell us a little bit about a conference that... Oh, my goodness. Excuse me. Ooh, honey chow. That was a sneeze, by the way, in case y'all wondering. I always keep my wipes right here by the desk. Wipe your hands. COVID. COVID germs. I'm going to give my own self COVID germs. <laughs> oh, God. How many of you are like, I'm not going to use the term OCD because we've learned that it's insensitive to incorrectly use that term because that's a real disorder. But how many of you are super, um, oh, God, what's the word that my husband <laughs> uses to describe me? He's like, you're so um, picky about like, ew, don't touch me. You've got germs or, you know, like there's certain things that really kind of make me go, ick me out really easily. Um, 
And so he often makes fun of me about that. But anyway, um, yes, good morning to uh, Wee Wee. Yeah, I don't know, Carmelie, how they came up with the list of items that are um, on that uh, list with Jamaica. We're importing certain items from Jamaica now. But plantains, I mean, listen, I, I don't have a problem with plantains because I'm, I think there's never enough plantains anywhere. <laughs> you know, I look in the grocery store and I'm like, I need more plantains. Like anytime I need a good, ripe plantain, it's hard to find. Well, now I've got some in my yard, so that's a lot easier. Um, but I think plantains are like seasonal as well. Like they don't really grow all the time. So I don't know how their season, like how their cycle works. But, uh, you know, plantains are a staple part of the Caribbean diet. Actually, it's probably one of the worst parts of our diet. But, you know, we love it for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and in between snacks. Uh, so yeah, I guess. And, you know, a lot of people use breadfruit for like breadfruit salad. You can roast breadfruit, you can fry breadfruit, you can put it in the steamer. I put it in the steamer before and then put it in the oven. It's, it gets that same crispy, um, taste as a fried breadfruit. And then you put a little bit of like the sea salt on it, the kosher salt. Mm-mm-mm. Love me some breadfruit. So yeah, breadfruit, as um, Natasha says, is an alternative to potatoes. It can be. It's it's very starchy, like a potato. And so it can mimic a potato, I think, in a lot of your recipes. So possible. Um, so yes, very, very interesting. Uh, they didn't say how they came up with the list of, of uh, you know, available produce that would be coming in. Presumably there's a demand for these things and that's why they're bringing them in. And it's not just random. Having said that, um, you know, a lot of people are concerned about what we are importing in. And uh, there have been questions about, um, you know, how safe it's going to be and whether or not uh, we're taking sufficient safety protocols. But I mean, the port of entry, as we have discussed numerous times on this show, is uh, something that has to be secured regardless of where it's coming from. So you shouldn't have any more faith in products coming from the U.S., for example, um, just because it's it's the United States of America versus Jamaica. You should feel like every single product that comes in, every container that comes in, should be going through the exact same protocols in terms of safety of both the food quality, um, as well as the, um, you know, safety of the containers in the sense that if somebody's trying to smuggle something in, because that's the natural thought that, oh yeah, all these, you know, additional produce coming from Jamaica, you know, they're going to be smuggling some guns and ganja and whatever. And well, that happens from the U.S. as well. And we've seen examples of that where containers with refrigerators and other things, people have tried to, um, you know, smuggle firearms in that way also. So, you know, our um, frontline security staff, which would be CBC, has to just be on their A-game regardless of where the uh, products are coming from. So um, there are talks of the government going to other locations, uh, Honduras and other places, to, I think, reestablish, because someone mentioned that at one point there was some sort of connection for some, I think, meat products and seafood from Honduras. And so, yes, um, it's the sort of thing um, 
you know, that um, we are, we being the Cayman Islands government, is continuing to explore with our regional partners. And listen, quite frankly, all of these food supply issues have really highlighted how important it is to have more than one source for your goods, especially your food security. So the Cayman Islands is dependent on the importation of food. Um, and, um, you know, we, we have to be very, very cautious about relying entirely on a singular market for those goods. So North America, the United States, we do get a lot of our food supplies from, but the U.S. is having their own food supply chain issues, as we have seen with the recent, you know, um, issues with the baby formula. And so it's not a bad idea to establish these relationships within the region and perhaps even other places in the world, if it's feasible from a cost perspective, to give us alternatives when it comes to our food supplies. Always have a plan B, C, and D. You know, uh, food is is really, really a bit of a precarious situation. And what is really sad is we're talking about the cost of food. I just heard Blake saying that steaks have gone up immensely. I don't typically buy steaks. You know, I try to stick with like chicken and fish from for 99% of my diet. Like I don't ever cook steak, to be honest. Um, I think if I have it, it's because somebody else is cooking it for me. But yes, I mean, at the end of the day, folks, um, who it really impacts, we, yeah, it impacts us from a cost perspective. And there might be some people who are going to go with less, but the really poor people in the world who already had so little are now suffering even more because of the food supply issues, because of this war, for example, in Ukraine. Starvation has been impacted directly by that war. And that's no joke. That is no joke at all. It's really quite sad, actually. So um, we'll keep an eye on those things. Good morning to Wee Wee. Don't forget, folks, you can call the program 936-2626. Alice has got it locked here. Alice says, once the United States control um, his economy, Cayman will see more economic prices for its citizens. Uh, once the United States control its economy, can, uh, well, you know, the U.S. is in a very precarious situation. I was actually um, brushing up on some news headlines this morning, and um, there was this whole thing about the U.S. underestimating the inflation Last year, they made statements about inflation, they're so-called experts, and it turns out that they actually underestimated what was going to happen. So the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen is her name, she admits that she was wrong on the path that inflation would take. So last year, she posed, she posted, I should say, um, or she posed only a small risk for inflation and it seems like she has now had to change her tone. Let's hear what she had to say, folks. Um, just, I think this was just this morning. Was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted uh, energy and food prices. And 
um, supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I didn't, at the time didn't fully understand. I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted uh, energy and food prices and um, supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I didn't, at the time didn't fully understand. So there you go. Treasury Secretary Silva Servant admitting that she was wrong. <laughs> One of the comments on this post says, honestly, it's just refreshing for a government official to admit that they were wrong. So this happens all over the world where people feel like government officials never admit that they're wrong. But um, she's an American economist and academic, and she's now serving as a 78th United States Secretary for the Treasury since January of 2021. Um, so, you know, she concedes that she was wrong on the path that inflation would take. And folks, uh, this is really, really important because, you know, sometimes they get it wrong and it impacts all of us. And uh, the truth of the matter is this in, this high inflation um, is really plaguing American consumers and by extension came and consumers because we say, oh, America catches a cold and or what's the saying that they sneeze and we catch the cold? Well, you know, it, it's not even they don't even have to sneeze yet. They just start that. Ah! The sneeze and the, the chew doesn't come out. It doesn't got you. We already have it from the second they sniffle. And uh, it is what it is in terms of the very close connections or banking systems and everything else. So yes, we are experiencing inflation as well. And added to that, we have additional costs that in a lot of places in the US, they do not have. Like a lot of their stuff can be offset by um, the size of, of their you know cities and towns and their si overall size of their economy, but they're still feeling the pinch. We talked yesterday about the highest gas prices since when in the U.S. And we, oh, Lord, have mercy. We're seeing it at the pump here as well. But we're going to pay even more, right? Smaller economies and import duties and all these other things that they may not have impacting um, their inflation and just economic figures. We have added on as additional costs to the consumers, Mm -mm. So one of the things that they're doing in order to try to normalize um, the economy, which they say has been thrown into disarray by the continuing pandemic and the war in Russia, is that um, they are looking to continue to raise, the feds are going to continue raising that interest rate. My goodness. Um, I don't know. They're talking about snags in the supply chain and demand outstripping supply. So inflation is running at a near four decade high. So what that means for most of us is we wouldn't remember inflation being this high probably in our lifetime. Depends on how old you are. But trust me, this is when you might have to start reviewing your plan, uh, even your very food budget and what you're going to sustain your family on and the types of foods that you're going to eat. I heard Blake talking about a steak this morning. I was like, a steak? 20 something dollars. What did he say? What did he say? 50 something dollars a pound or something? Child, that's a luxury item. 
So if you're a person who loves to eat steaks every week, you might have to drop that down to once a month or once a quarter. Because realistically, a steak isn't something that you need to have. When you have to tighten your belt, there's certain foods that have to go. And steaks are probably at the top of the list, right? Uh, you might start surviving more on your Kalaloo and Akicha. Alex, good morning to you. Miss Romelia is here. Good morning, honey chow. She says, have a blessed day in the Lord. She's thanking him for a beautiful day in paradise. Yes. True. Good morning, Miss Gladys. Everton is here. Got it locked. Uh, Natasha. Roger joining us. He says, we do have trigger happy individuals who lean towards this approach of uh, policing. I'm glad that the uniform will include a body cam to record their interaction when dealing with the public. So Roger is talking about the fact this was in the news, um, which by the way, my apologies, still getting used to, to the fact that I should be playing uh, the news headlines. Let me just pull it down. It came in a little bit late last night um, and I was heading to bed. I was trying to get in bed before midnight. So I got this at 11.27. Give me one second. I'm going to we're going to go through the news headlines and we can discuss some of those. I'm not sure what happened to our first set of guests from um, hazard management because we were supposed to be talking about the weather and that hurricane season, but maybe they forgot. Today is June the 1st, right? Uh, child, they might have to get like me. I have to write stuff down now because you know you get to a certain age and the memory just isn't what it is. So you take your little notepad. I'm always traveling a notepad and you just write it down. Mm -hmm. You're less likely to forget it. Um, so let's see what uh, Misha has in the news headlines, but that's one of the news headlines for us. So let's have a quick look. Hello and welcome to CMR Daily Buzz. I'm Misha Ellinger and thank you for joining us. A 24-year-old Georgetown man was sentenced to three years in prison on Thursday, May 26, for sexually assaulting an eight-year-old girl while she was visiting her family at a residence he was staying. DeAnthony Russell denied the allegations, however, the jury did not believe his version of events and convicted him. Russell, who is currently serving time for a different offense, has a long rap sheet, including drug offenses. A social inquiry report found he was at a medium risk for reoffending sexual offenses. The judge, Justice Marva McDonald Bishop, granted a sexual harm prevention order, which prevents him from spending unsupervised time with young girls after being released from jail. RCIPS is investigating a motor vehicle sales scam Reports are that a man posing to be the owner of a black Honda Fit registration 189455 has taken deposits or full payments towards this car from several persons that attempted to purchase this vehicle. Police is informing the public that a rental company owns this vehicle and the attempted sale of this car is a scam. The RCIPS advises to always request to see the logbook and registration details to ensure the person is the legitimate owner. Anyone who may have information regarding this man 
or who have engaged with him in relation to the purchase of this vehicle, please contact the RCIPS via 911 or the Georgetown Police Station at 949-4222. Anonymous tips can be provided directly to the RCIPS via the confidential tip line on 949-7777 or their website rcips.ky. Officers of the RCIPS Firearms Response Unit introduces new specialist uniforms that will be rolled out this June. The new grey-coloured uniforms, which will replace the existing navy blue uniform, have been specifically selected to differentiate members of the unit from other units within the RCIPS and other local law enforcement and government agencies. New tactical equipment has also been introduced, specifically a new design of ballistic vests and helmets. The vests will improve officer mobility and comfort both when conducting foot patrols and when traveling by vehicle, while also providing a greater degree of protection. The new uniforms are also being gazetted in legislation specific to the RCIPS Firearms Response Unit. Governor Martin Roper confirmed on CMR's Cold Hard Truth on Tuesday, 31st May, that the Cayman Islands Air Show has been postponed due to expected poor weather conditions. A new date has not been decided yet. The governor also said that he desires to make the air show an annual event again after its 20-year break. Under a new import-export arrangement between the Cayman Islands and Jamaica, the Ministry of Agriculture has approved a broadened list of agricultural produce that can be imported to the Cayman Islands effective May 23rd. Minister of Agriculture Honorable J. E. Banks, who recently visited Jamaica and held bilateral meetings, said the new arrangement would allow the Cayman Islands direct access to high-quality and fresh produce from Jamaica. Under the agreed import conditions, all exporters from Jamaica must have a valid import permit and the produce must be sourced from farms registered and certified by Jamaica's Ministry of Agriculture and Fisheries. The Ministry of Sustainability and Climate Resiliency is sponsoring local youth leader Gabriella Watson to participate in Camp 2030, Unite 2030's global in-person convening, which unites the world's top young changemakers to solve the world's most pressing challenges using the framework of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. The Department of Education Services reminds the public that students that may not be able to take the scheduled Caribbean Secondary Education Certificate examinations due to COVID-19 may defer until the next available sitting in January or June 2023. For more information, please visit education.gov.ky. Let's hear from Kevin Wattler for updates on Cayman's evening weather. Hello Cayman, I'm Kevin Wattler and this is your CMR weather update. It's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 546, scattered showers and thunderstorms expected today. The day heats up to the mid-80s with the winds southeast at 10 to 20 miles per hour. Sunset this evening at 7. Now tonight more thunderstorms are expected. The winds southeast at 10 to 20 miles per hour and the temperatures fall to the upper 70s. High tides at 9.53 a.m. and 11.47 p.m. and low tides at 5.10 a.m. and 4.32 p.m. Looking forward, expect very wet weather over the next few days and it also sticks around for the weekend as well. Also, several reliable computer models do forecast the remnants of eastern Pacific Hurricane Agatha entering the Gulf of Mexico and redeveloping. We'll keep our eyes on that as well. 
CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price, so we encourage you to support them. Have a great day. Thank you, Kevin, for those updates. In regional news, the murder tally in Jamaica now stands at 594 as of May 27, 2022. This represents a 7% increase year after year. The figure also indicates that 20 persons were killed in four days since the last crime statistics were released by the Jamaica Constabulary Force on May 23, 2022. In international news, several airlines have cancelled dozens of flights over the half-term holiday with the travel industry struggling to recruit and train new staff quick enough as demand returns following the pandemic. Companies say they're facing a number of challenges including staff shortages, air traffic control restrictions, runway works and airport handling delays. The question now arises, do you have rights if your flight is cancelled? The good news is yes, if you're traveling to and from the UK, you have a number of rights under the UK law. What you're entitled to depends on what caused the cancellation and how much notice you were given. For more information, visit caa.co.uk. For more in-depth news and headlines, please visit our website, caymanwildroad.com. Tune in to The Cold Hard Truth with Sandy Hill, Monday to Friday at 7.30 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube and Radio Bobo 89.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to CMR Daily Buzz. I'm Misha Allinger. Please do not drink and drive and stay safe. Thank you so much to Misha and Kevin, um, who work on a daily basis to put together those um, weather and news headlines for you so that you're kept up in a very condensed way with the latest news. Now, that goes live um, every single evening at 9 p.m., so you can certainly um, jump on and ensure that um, you know, you've got your, your latest news updates. And um, yes, I mean, I would encourage you guys to keep up to date. So I'm just reviewing some of your comments, but I do see our guest Simon has joined us. Um, Simon, I feel like you're a little bit late. Um, really? really? <laughs> yes. You said 8 o'clock, Sandra. I said 8 o'clock. Well, I tell you what, the minister's coming on at 8.15. So we right. will do our best to have um, the, the biggest bang for a buck in 15 minutes or so. So not to worry. Um, let's see who we all, who else we have uh, joining us this morning, folks. This is these are, guys are the weather experts. Um, tell us, um, Simon, who is Mark? Because we've got Mark who's joining Mark, us. Mark is our hazard mitigation officer, our specialist. Uh, yes. Sort of, he put in our national emergency notification system, our app. Oh yes, and, he was on the show before. Yeah, I remember and you, Mark. Looking at flooding and stuff. Hi. Good oh, morning. Wow. Good morning, Simon. Good morning. How are you and we have uh, Shamal Clark, and Shamal is? is National Weather Service. Uh, Shamal is a, a meteorologist. Is your microphone working now, Shamal? Uh, it should be. Yeah. Yes, you sound loud and clear to us. Awesome, good. Very good. good. Well, good thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning, gentlemen. All part of hazard management, uh, weather services, because guess what? Today is June the 1st. Yeah. And what does that mean? 
<laughs> the start of the hurricane season. The official start of the hurricane season. Because I understand that they're now contemplating changing the start of hurricane season like maybe a week before. Is that not a little bit crazy? Yeah, they've, they've been having those discussions, I think, from last year. Sometime they've been trying to decide. I think the vote was against doing that. But, yeah, they've been trying to do that for some time now. Wow. I mean, it's indicative, I guess, of the times in terms of the, you know, the changes that we're seeing um, in climate changes. So, mm. uh, right. So let's let's dig, uh, start to deep dive into this conversation this morning. Hurricane season has begun. Even the weather outside is a little bit dreary and rainy and we see cancellation of some events. Uh, what do people need to start thinking about today? Uh, I'll kick off. Thank you, Sandra, again for having us. So today, yeah, beginning of hurricane season, uh, get going early if you can on your prepare, uh, preparing with things like food and water, non-perishable food and water. Obviously, you can have interruptions in power. So mm -hmm. we've got a whole list of things on our website, came and prepared. Uh, if you want to find out flashlights, elderly, uh, think about children, think about your pets, um, and obviously yourself, getting your car to higher ground, Bottled water and food are critical, though, and shelter, because in extreme events, and you were just mentioning it, climate change, maybe we're seeing earlier and earlier storms, more intense storms, and uh, you know even storms that are bringing in excess of 20 feet of storm surge, like Dorian in 2019 for, for Bahamas, Marsh Harbor. So if your floor slab is like 10 feet above sea level, and if you're in a single-story dwelling, Storm surge is not just a coastal issue. You can be living inland and have very quickly the house fill up with water. So you need to think about where you're going to shelter uh, to just ride out those day or two, few days, whatever it is, when the uh, when you could potentially uh, get trapped in your house by the storm surge. And the waves are another threat. Um, wind we saw as an issue in Grace. So we could be looking at several days of or weeks even without power, without water even, even though we've built our system stronger now, you've got to plan for the possibility of an extended outage. Get your car to higher ground, turn your fridge and freezer down to the coldest setting, get a cooler with ice in it so you can move stuff out of the fridge and freezer. It's a cash economy, you need some money out, um, power up your cell phones, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a list, an action mm. list of all of the things, because it sounds like a lot already. I'm like making a it's kind of a list. lot. Shutters. <laughs> you know. Where yeah. are you going to put your car? I know. So there's a, a lot of moving parts to being adequately prepared for hurricane season. And I guess the um, advice that's given is to prepare for the worst and expect mm. the best. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's fair. Yes. So, uh, folks, you got to check out caymanprepared.ky. They have a very comprehensive website that talks mm -hmm. about a number of different things. So we see, for example, the um, current sort of, uh, I guess, map of what's happening in the region, which includes us. And then they've got a section for hurricanes, which you can check out with lots of useful links. And ta it talks about some of the things that Simon um, just mentioned. Um, now, this latest news, well, that's old. That's from 2020. So let's not get So, Sandra, on that yes. image you just brought up just a second ago, you had two interesting items. 
A, the NANSAT, which Mark may be able to talk about, but B, that satellite image, maybe, you know, we got a storm potentially out there with a long weekend coming. You yeah. got Shamal there. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, hopefully we're not going to get a storm, but you may want to ask him what. Uh, okay, well, yeah, let, let's talk about yeah. the current, uh, sure. let's talk right. about some of the current conditions. Sure, um, sure, sure Simon, Mark, throw me. First of all, be, before we get to Shamal with the current conditions, um, of course, Mark, it's a great idea to remind people that some months back, you guys launched this emergency alert system, which is a great yes. way um, to receive emergency notifications. So tell us a little bit about how that has been going. I know you came on the program, we did a promotion, lots of people got registered. So um, how many people yes. do you have currently registered on the national notification, emergency notification system? Yes, so overall currently now we are over 3,800 users, which includes mobile app, um, emails and SMS. And thanks to your program as well. I think after we did your program, we had almost 500 users wow. added to the system. Mm -hmm. So it was a major boost. So, you know, a big credit to Maro and that. That's very, very good. Um, programs like these, having these initiatives, having this awareness is very important. Because the idea we want to create is once persons have the um, various means of communication, whether there's an app, email, SMS, we're able to provide timely information for timely decisions to be made. Uh, if you need to evacuate a particular area, um, impending in terms of the impact of the storm. We are easy to leverage this platform. Mm -hmm. And also to add to that, you know, while we will have these communication channels, we still have our phase one, which is our radio alert. So if we do lose power, if persons are listening to their AM, FM band um, radius, that also is another mechanism which we utilize. So mm -hmm. I would encourage everybody um, to go to nens.gov.ky, you know, um, for the instruction, four easy steps, you know, sign up, um, register, and, you know, be a part of this mechanism to ensure that you receive information in a very timely manner. So NENS, N-E-N-S. Natasha says that the mobile app isn't functioning properly. It asks you to verify your email and then nothing. So um, if they're having issues with registration, can sure. they, they can, Yeah, definitely. They can reach out to us um, either by email, which is um, NENS at, at gov.ky. Mm -hmm. What we find, and just to give a, just for your listeners, what we found is that very importantly, we, we recommend that persons go to the website first, right. ensure when you register, there's a section that speaks to allowing your information to be shared with us. You ensure that checkboxes actually click. At the end, you'll receive a message that indicates congratulations. That's very important. But if you do encounter any problems, feel, feel free to reach out to us at HMCI or at nens.gov dot ky and we are ready to support and provide even hands-on approach we are we able to walk persons through the process i want to ensure that every single person is happy and have the app installed on their mobile phones yes beautiful um so again folks get on it a really really important uh, most of you have a smart device you, you can download this app and it allows you to get uh, really emergency important notifications right to your phone from hazard management so you get it straight from the source so let's talk a little bit about the weather so give me one second here we received this severe weather notification uh, two days ago so shamal um you can help us explain exactly what this forecast is it talks about the yucatan channel extending to the extreme northwest caribbean um has been marked for an area of interest potential development for some sort of a tropical disturbance over the next five days. Say what? Yep. Jamal, break it down. Yep. I mean, so 
again, based on what you were saying earlier, it is a contemplation to start the season a much a much earlier. And this is due to um, the increase in activity before June 1st, actually. But what is happening is that there was a, a storm in the Pacific first that actually moved across uh, Central America. And it seems like that system fell apart and act as a genesis for what is going to potentially be our first name um, system. The update on this, um, this notification was actually two days ago. So the update on it is that they are marked it, mar they've marked it now as like a 70% chance of um, cyclone formation in the next five days. So there's some level of confidence that it, it might um, in fact develop into something. The initially, um, it had looked like it would have brought more impact on, on the islands in terms of uh, rainfall. We had anticipated something closer to seven, um, seven, eight, maybe nine inches of rainfall, but the system has kind of showed where it's moving more across the Yucatan Channel and across uh, Western Cuba. So that kind of minimized the impacts on the Cayman Islands somewhat. So what we initially anticipated as of June, sorry, May 30th, no, June 1st, it seems like instead of having mainly, probably, sorry, probably about seven inches of rainfall, it looks closer to three to four. So that is good news for us in the sense that if it keeps this way, um, then we won't get as severely impacted as initially anticipated but that doesn't mean we should drop our guards. Obviously, we still need to do the things that Simon had mentioned earlier in terms of getting prepared for what's what's to come uh, with the hurricane season. So mm -hmm. um, not to tell anyone, oh, don't be scared, um, drop your guard, but just monitor the developments of the system. Okay. Again, it's the weather and it can change in, a, in an instant. So that's why we try to produce as much updates as frequently as possible. Yes. And sometimes a little bit of fear is good. It keeps you on your toes, right? Um, and, you know, I mean, hurricane season is what it is. Uh, as you mentioned, at any time, a system can certainly develop. Sometimes they develop right over us, which seems to me there's always the ones that are quite tricky. Um, they develop very, very quickly. Yeah, they're problematic. Very, very, very problematic. And, it, and, yeah. and because of how um, notifications work in general, you can't send out a tropical storm warning unless it's a tropical storm. Right. So if it develops right on top of us, we can't send it out. But what we tried to the last last um, hurricane season that we we're pushing this season as well is that we we, we release more severe weather notifications. Okay. So we'll urge the public no, um, not because and and this is what I found because if I said to you, um, it's going to rain and it's going to give us five inches of rain. You might not take it serious, but if I say a storm is coming and everybody's in full panic mode, but that same storm can produce the same five inches of rain, just the same. So it really doesn't matter. So the what we're doing now is we're pushing severe weather bulletins more than just necessarily storm warnings. So we urge um, residents to pay attention to all types of notifications or alerts that come out from the, um, the National Weather Service. Right. And just this morning, um, folks, just to remind you of how serious you know, hurricane season is, we did receive a message at 738 from the office of the premier. Um, again, just really talking about this year, we're actually marking the 20th anniversary of Hurricane Ivan. I cannot believe that's 20 years mm -hmm. already. That's so crazy. But um, it's just a stark reminder of how devastating storms can be. Hurricane Ivan was quite an event here in the Cayman Islands. Now we have a whole generation of young people who would have been born since then. 
who have no context of Hurricane Ivan, really, unless they've seen stuff on the internet. And of course, the Brack community, Cayman Brack, was hit four years after that by Hurricane Paloma. And that was quite devastating um, for Cayman Brack. So folks, there's, there's certain things that are within your control when it comes to your storm prep. And there are other things that, you know, you just um, have to go with the flow. But a lot of what you can do in terms of the preparation is definitely within your control. So making sure that you know the current and active shelter list. So if you need to relocate to shelter, for example, you know the closest shelter. Or if you have special needs, such as you have a pet, you would know that there's some shelters who do not um, are not able to accommodate pets. So make sure that you have all of that in mind uh you know what medications do you need stock up on important meds so that if if a storm is pending or you know something's happening you've got more than ample supply of important medication the most vulnerable people always babies small children and the elderly so make sure that you have a contingency plan folks that is specific to those individuals and your pets they're not people but to me they're people <laughs> So they're they're also extremely a vulnerable um, category of individuals. So you've got to know, you know, what your movements will be. Um, if you have elderly people in your home, some people have disabilities. There may be wheelchair bound and other things. And um, as Simon mentioned earlier, the star storm surge is something that you have to be very very uh, concerned about. So folks, this is the time now. Just got a little bit of rainy weather out there at this time, but this is a time to maybe sit down, have a little family meeting, and discuss what your plan of action is. You know, uh, how how's your house? Are you higher up? Are you lower up? Like the storm surge can really surprise you. Uh, for me, Hurricane Ivan was an eye opener because I never thought people would be in the roof and the rafters um, because water had come up that high. So, you know, you, you have to know uh, what, what you're dealing with. And some of us don't have roofs and rafters to go into. So always, always have a plan, folks. This is the time to sit down and have these conversations with um, your families, your neighborhoods, your communities, in terms of what it is that you're going to do. Have your hurricane supply list, so stock up on your canned goods. Sometimes we have the canned goods and we eat them throughout the year. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you need to refresh that list and make sure that you have things that people are going to eat as well, especially if you've got children and you've got tin mackerel, but none of your kids are going to eat tin mackerel. You need to make sure you can accommodate people, um, especially in stressful times, you know. Yeah. So uh, lots of information that's available, folks, on the website, caymanprepared.ky. So please go and check that out. Uh, Battery-operated devices require batteries, so very simple things like that, to make sure that you have um, batteries and other things that can sustain you uh, through the storm. Now, we have a few questions here. Um, so Richard is asking, he's, he's now downloading the app. He says, how do I get the organization code requested? So you, you go okay, to the so, first. Yeah. So Richard, let's be very, very clear. I know the last time we did the registration process, it's clear that you follow the, the steps. So the, the way to do this is not just to download the app, but to actually go from your computer 
um, or I guess you could probably do it from your phone, but go to the NENS website first and you do like an initial registration there. It's kind of like the bank apps, you know, when you have the new CNB or Butterfield apps or whatever, before you start using the app, you go to the website, you go through a registration process, and then that's going to allow you to properly download and activate or link the app um, on your phone. The website first, and you shouldn't have any problems. So it's nens at gov.ky and nens um, dot uh, gov.ky. Is that the email address? Yeah. Yeah. Website. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and the organization code um, you was asking for is HMCI. HMCI. That's also on the website. There you go, Richard. Yeah, the organization code. Yeah. Right. Um, so a lot of people are asking about the radar and I don't know if this is, this might be out of somebody's pay scale now, but you know, this radar has been a bit of an issue yes. for a while, over a year uh, here in the Cayman islands. We have not had a radar. None of us really seem to understand why this is. They've said, Oh, chain supply issues and all this other stuff. Really? Uh, can we, somebody said, can we borrow a radar? I think uh, mm -hmm. Melanie here, morning, Melanie. So there's lots of people worried about the disabled radar. Can we rent equipment? Look at an interim remedy with regional partners. Fix is not coming right now, and we're meant to be regional hazard um, assistance, I think. So this radar is like, I don't know. It's been missing forever. We understand this difficulty trying to get parts for it or whatever. Can To Melanie's point, can we not just borrow a radar from someone? I, I'll, I'll bump that question up to somebody that can definitely I'm answer that. So. <laughs> I'm probably the I'll, one as a management. That's a, <laughs> as yeah, a management, that's a, that's a little bit uh, of, of its uh, radar. Yeah, uh, we already want it too, though. Yes, to well. Um, Mr. Tibbetts is head of the weather service. Um, so, Mr. Tibbetts, please give us some sort of an update on what's happening. Are we able to source it from any other locations? Uh, you know, the weather radar is obviously an important tool um, in allowing people to know what the local weather conditions are. And a lot of us are just not really fully understanding uh, if, why it's not available. If, if, so, I, can, if, um, I, can add, if I can add something. Um, so obviously we, we know it's, it's a useful tool. Everyone uses it including us so without it it's it, it does provide a little bit of trick in terms of our day-to-day -day forecast but um what we what we have done we have compensated to some extent and to a large extent by using the uh go 16 uh, satellite it allows you to get high imaging so what before we could get the resolution we can with the um with the satellite system so now we can get a real close-up we actually have one of those images on on our website mm -hmm. it's the ky vis it's really close up so it allows you to see all the clothes everything that's happening around the area so we kind of compensate for the, the the missing satellite with using the high resolution satellite data so if you want to see the activity up close and get more of a, a closer image of what's happening around us we are advised persons take a look at that use the um use the ky vis on on our website it does give you high resolution satellite data mm -hmm. all right well we have other people who are also wondering uh where the radar is so this individual says that they could get on a plane uh they says why is the radar not working i can go to miami and get the part i don't understand why we have a device that is useless um so i mean we have spoken to mr tibbet some months ago and he indicated that it's not as easy to obtain as people think. 
Uh, so I don't know if you could really get in a plane, and just find it, but if you have those resources, maybe that's the thing to do. Just go get yeah. it and then show up and you say, here you go. I mean, that would be nice. If that'd be nice if somebody could could do that, but because of, of the process of getting it and and the supply and all of that, it, it's it's not from my understanding. It's not that that simple. Um, yeah. Um. Let me just see. I'm trying to remember exactly. So he said that this is just a bit of an update. Um. He said that it stopped working in September. This was his response to us back in. March when we asked a question about the radar and uh, that they were working, it was working from January through September, a particular part failed and it has taken uh, so long in part because it took some time to diagnose the problem. And then second, the manufactured uh, company has been negatively impacted by COVID causing their operations to not work well. So it's, it seems like whatever part is needed we essentially have like one manufacturer that we're getting it from. Um, so the weather radar is not working and we're waiting on a special part that has to be manufactured. So it's not something you can just go and buy Correct. Uh, based on what Mr. Tibbet said back on March the 26th. So um, yeah, this is part of the chain supply issues that we've certainly been discussing here in the program. Now our very, very astute listeners to the program um, mentioned that this is not the 20th year of um, Hurricane Ivan. It's the 18th year. So I think the premier's office might have got a little typo in there. Tammy, get on it. Uh, make that little correction. But uh, they said Hurricane Ivan was 2004. And so that's the 18th year. So I'm going to leave it up to my little sleuth mathematicians um, that they've got it right. But I've seen enough people messaging me to believe that they, they do have uh, accurate information on the number of years. So 18 years and not 20. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. still, still crazy to believe it even has been that long. So we have other comments. Um, good morning to Debbie. Uh, Richard says, HMCI code entered and now connected. Thanks, everyone. Good stuff, folks. Get it get it done. Lens.gov.ky. It's really important that you have access to this app. Um, I know they did a test. When was the last test that you did, Mark? Yeah, we did a, a test, I believe, in April. In April, we did a test. And this was considered what we call a soft tone test. So yes. the first test was in March, which was much of a um, a blaring siren type of sound effect, which that would be utilized for high-level emergencies, more for earthquake or massive fire that we need persons to, that's a major threat. As it relates to a hurricane, the tone that you will receive our tropical storm warning per se would be much of a low level tone which should be like a peep peep so because it's a much what we consider to be a slow onset we don't require that loud siren effect so just to let persons know so we have tests coming up um probably the next month or so but we're just trying to ensure that persons keep the app on their phones of course you know so the testing is definitely required just to ensure that persons that we are still here and um, the app the app is active Mm -hmm. All right. Very good. Um, so Kevin Watler, who's listening to the program, reminds us that we have a more updated response on the radar. So let me just have a quick look at this. Uh, I don't know if anything has changed, but we will certainly get this uh, information here. So um, here on Cayman Mall Road, um, Kevin has taken over the um, weather updating. We have daily weather, both 
in the evenings and in the morning. Kevin does a, a daily weather report. And of course, um, thank you, Kevin, for that. And uh, he keeps very well informed um, with the weather radar systems. And he actually has access. Kevin, you have to correct me, but they're in Florida. Um, he has access to a lot of um, high-tech weather equipment. So to that point, uh, Jonathan says that he's using Zoom Earth for satellite images for hurricane season, and he thinks that it is great. So Debbie confirms, yes, it's 18 years since Hurricane Ivan and not uh, 20 years. So just a little mistake there. Um, so on May the 23rd, we got a slightly different response on the radar situation. The official response went from September to October was when it stopped working. And the techs have detected a faulty board. Uh, but we also been dealing with a leaking dome. Tropical storm and Hurricane Grace caused that. And a faulty backup generator being part being installed this week. That was May the 23rd. So hopefully that's already installed. So it looks like they have multiple issues. Uh, a lot of us are probably wondering. Yeah. So the, the the generator issue was I don't know if you recall early in the in the season I think it was July or so that we had a, a down period. It was because there was a power issue and they had to turn it off so that to prevent further damage from the radar. So that um, generator issue, the part came and I, and and to my knowledge it was installed. So the generator issue um, has been resolved. But then the to the dome leaking, then that's another problem. So it it's just. A set of issue, I guess they're trying to resolve at this time. Again, the text would would know mm -hmm. and be able to speak a lot clearer on this at the time. But um, from from what I understand, that the generator issue has been been resolved. The part has not um, been resolved, and I think they're working on the the dome or trying to resolve both the dome and the part issue still. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um. Yes. Very good. All right, uh, Mr. Amelia says, I'm corresponding with a local who has local plan. Oh, Mr. Amelia, um, put that on hold. We're talking about the weather at the moment. Uh, although I guess weathers can affect plantains, but not quite where we're at with the conversation. So the National Weather Service has access to a very advanced weather imagery system as well, says the ugly truth. And yet they refuse to allow access to the general public. The radar has been down for how long now? So what is this fancy weather imagery system and why would you allow the public to have access to it. I'm assuming you have to pay for this. So that's probably why it's not something. Um, we, what well, the products that we have, we put them out. Um, so we're not holding back any information. Um, all all the, the products that are on our website are created by, uh, generated from the radar. We use yeah. those same images in-house and we put them on the website. There might be one or two but it's not necessarily a different um, type of image or anything special that we're we're seeing holding back from from the public. You have access to the same information that we would have access to. Yeah. So ugly truth says go goes sar or something. But I mean, I'm not quite understanding what you're saying. Um, ugly truth because they might have systems that they use that no. they log into, and you would if, give the public access. If, to that. You give them access to the information. Correct. If she, if that's if 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 it's GOSAR, I I that's not our system. Any anything goes is the the U.S. National Weather Service. That's yeah. Well, there you go. Ugly truth. Not, We're giving you the cold ours. hard truth. Mm. Add to the ugly truth. <laughs> so that's why I love it when the um the officials come on the program because they can answer your questions directly. 
and tell you that, no, they don't have access to that. So now you can correct yourself and we're all good to go. We love um, getting correct information here on, on the cold hard truth and on CMR, generally speaking, folks. Uh, that's the only way that you can uh, move forward is from an informed position. So, um, yep. So we are, folks, uh, moving ahead with the 2022 Atlanta. Atlantic hurricane season starts today, June the 1st, officially. Um, this is the hazard man management team and the Cayman Islands Weather Service, uh, encouraging the public to be prepared, have a plan, and monitor official sources for updates. You know, here at CMR, again, we do our best to, to pull from those official sources and give you the information that you require. Now, um, at our news station, using that term extremely loosely here at Cayman Mall Road, right here in the studio. Uh, we do now have a backup generator of our own installed as of this week. Yay. Yay. Where's my applause? Good job, good job. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Applause. And um, I want to give a big shout out and a big thank you to the guys over at Corporate Electric who made this happen and as well to my husband, Marlon, you know, it was so funny because Marlon for years now has been telling me that I needed the backup generator and you guys know, I'm like, I don't think I need a backup generator. CUC is great. The power is never out because he keeps saying during your show, you need a backup generator. You know, you're covering the weather and blah, blah, blah. You know, during the last few storms, we've been there for you guys until the power went out and then I pulled a laptop and then when the laptop went dead and that was it. So I didn't really see um, a, a good argument for it. You know, I was thinking, yeah, that's that's money that, you know, come on now. It's expensive to get a generator. And uh, Murphy's Law, sometimes you have to listen to your husbands, ladies. Murphy's Law is just last week. Um, literally, you guys remember on Wednesday morning, CUC was in the area doing some work uh, Wednesday morning. So they gave me a temporary generator in the morning. Um, for my show, and that was fantastic. Thank you, CUC. And then that evening, by evening, our generator was up and running, uh, able to do tests and so on. And guess what? 7.30, right in the middle of interviewing the premier for premier access, the power went out. And the day that I got my generator functioning, I didn't even see, I saw a light went out. That's the only way that I actually knew the power went out. The generator clicked right in, folks. It was working seamlessly. There was no interruptions in the stream. The radio was good. We just continued business as usual. So I know that things like a generator can be an expensive investment, but if you operate certain businesses and you really need um, to have you know, that continuous power at certain points, uh, look into it. Contact Corporate Electric. I'm telling you that their guys worked around the clock for weeks, literally, to do everything from moving electrical panels, installing a new panel, all sorts of stuff has to go into it. But they really work hard to get you up and running. If that's uh, something that you're considering, contact them and they can certainly sort you out. So the National Weather Service folks, is um, we're anticipating a higher, uh, more active season this year. I feel like every season shamal they say that is it my imagination for some for some time though um for, for a couple of seasons they've been saying that and yes. that should give you give you a heads up as to potentially um climate What's change impacts on? and that kind of stuff but yeah they're 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 expecting us slightly above um average season somewhat similar to last season um in all honesty based on the numbers that both the um colorado state university and the um uh Noah has um has put out so they're they're anticipating something similar to to last season in right. terms of the numbers. 
And, you know, once again, let's be very, very careful here. We don't have to have another hurricane season. I mean, another hurricane Ivan to have damage. I mean, we saw last year that, whoa, uh, you know, what we had was crazy. Um, it was a tropical storm that, in my opinion, caused damage that was akin to hurricane. And that's a category one hurricane, um, potentially. It wasn't like a strong hurricane. This is a tropical storm that basically did damage similar to a category one. We saw the, the effects of it. So it's not something to take light, lightly, um, to be mm -hmm. honest. And, and we'll always stress and I'll always agree with Simon and, and the entire hazard management team. We need to prepare for any eventuality. Mm -hmm. So we do have Minister Brian who's patiently waiting, but let us just look at before we um, allow our guests to leave, let's just have a quick look at some of the names that are coming up for the 2022 Atlantic Tropical Cyclone name. So we've got Alex, starting with Alex, and we go all the way to Bonnie. Miss Bonnie, are you listening to the program this morning? Look at it. They got one named after you. <laughs> She's coming. I remember the year that we had Hurricane Sandy. What a mess she was. Uh, we've got Colin, Danielle, Earl, Fiona, Gaston, Hermine, or Hermin, Ian, Julia, Carl, Lisa, Martin, Nicole, Owen, Paula, Richard, Shari, uh, Tobias, that's an unusual name, Tobias, uh, Virginie, okay, they're getting interesting with some of the names, and Walter, and don't forget, they, they actually retire names. Um, what What is the rule for retirement of a name again? If If... So basically, if it has caused some level of damage and um, if there's any casualties, then they, the country affected would um, request a vote um, to retire the name and then they'll vote and decide if they'll retire it or not. Wow. So there'll never be another Hurricane Ivan again, basically. No. Very interesting. All right, folks. So um, caymanprepared.ky is the website. Very, very useful information. As the hurricane season progresses, we will definitely have these guests back on the studio. Um, we'll be checking in with them in terms of any weather updates that they have that would be relevant to the Cayman Islands. And, you know, our premier, who's the Minister of Sustainability and Climate Resiliency, uh, the Honorable G. Wayne Panton, has been committed to highlighting the global impacts of climate change, which increase the need for the Cayman Islands community to be more prepared for more severe weather events and conditions throughout the year, not just hurricane season. So we've got to ensure that we are definitely um, on top of it. So the Weather Service has officially said that they're continuing to work on completing the necessary repairs to the Doppler radar, which has been hampered again by chain supply and manufacturing issues. And uh, hopefully, you know, we can get some positive updates soon in regards to that. At this point, maybe you just replace the whole thing. I mean, I don't know what's involved in replacing it either, if they can get a replacement. But yeah, so James joining us from Canada. Thank you so much, James. We've got family members all over um, the world. Matrix, we just responded to that. We don't know yet, but they're working feverishly on trying to um, get it sorted out. And I think now that the general public is very much aware that the Doppler radar isn't working. Um, maybe the pressure's on to, to get it done. Simon, thank you so much for joining. This is the first time. You are no longer a cold truth version. Ah, there you go. And it wasn't that bad. It felt pretty good. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Very much. Most people find it very painless, actually. We don't bite um, <laughs> normally. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Yeah. Shamal, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. 
He's with the National uh, Weather Service folks. He's our weather expert. And uh, Shamal, I'm sure we'll be speaking to you as we move into oh, um, in a bit more. Yeah. And then Mr. Mark Codling, who's part of the hazard management team. And he is the expert yep. who's you. brought the uh, NENS system, the app, uh, the entire emergency system here to the Cayman Islands. And he's working, he's continually working to make sure. Now, listen, we need more than 3,000 people on this app. I mean, come on, y'all. All of you have Facebook and every single one of you have the Facebook app and every every single one of you should also have the NENS app um, yeah. on your phones. It's it's more important than Facebook. I know we, we share a lot of information on Facebook, but make sure that you have this app. And next time I speak to um, to Mark, I'd love to hear that 6,000 people have actually downloaded the app. Oh, yeah. We thank you for the <laughs> help on that. Yes. Right. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, your viewers a, a safe hurricane season and thank you again so yes thanks very much we appreciate your hard work guys and have a wonderful day yes, you too you, likewise your guests right, folks, that's simon guys. mark and shamal wonderful sherry ann says thank you simon well thank you to all of them uh good stuff folks let's go ahead and take a little bit of a commercial break because we're going to shift gears now we have the Minister of Transport and uh, Tourism, who's going to be joining us, Honorable Kenneth Bryan, on the program this morning. He's got all sorts of news that he's going to be sharing in terms of what he's up to and what conferences he will be participating in. The developers of the Mandarin Oriental Beach Bay Project would be honored to have you attend this one-of-a-kind Q&A information session. We are committed to community engagement and transparency and working closely with the people of the Cayman Islands. The journey begins soon, and we want you to be part of it. Come and have your questions answered and learn more about all the phases of this project, from inception to completion and beyond. This project is destined to be a major development for both the Beach Bay community and the Cayman Islands as a whole. So please join us on June 7th at 469 Beach Bay Road for a community meeting. We look forward to having you there. Light refreshments will be served. At the HSA, we know that your time is a precious resource and want to help you spend it wisely. Avoid the wait and request your prescription refills through our website, WhatsApp, or by calling the pharmacy. Use our delivery service if you are vulnerable, elderly, or a civil servant, or pick them up the next day. Your secure health records are at your fingertips with our My HSA Patient Portal and Healthy Life app. Our nine locations throughout all three islands make receiving quality care simple and convenient because your time matters to us. At Innovative Building Products, we provide professional builders and homeowners with the highest quality materials from top brands worldwide. Tiling tools, waterproofing systems, fin sets, self-levelers, grout, along with porcelain floor and wall tiles. Our products are 100% guaranteed, promise 100% satisfaction, and beat competitor pricing. Pallets of materials are ready to go. Quick and easy convenience to get you in and out within five minutes. All right, folks, welcome back to the program. Escuchando, we're listening. Good morning to the Honorable Minister Kenneth Bryan. How are you? I'm well, Sandra. Good morning. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm very good, my dear. 
It's a beautiful day in the Cayman Islands, despite the weather. I'm never bothered by a little bit of rain. It's still a gorgeous day in the Cayman Islands. Happy June the 1st. Happy June the 1st to you too. And, and I want to double down on what uh, Simon Boxwell, as well as his team, was saying earlier. You know, it is hurricane season. Mm-hmm. And I always try to remind people to be prepared, you know, um, reiterating everything that Simon and his team has said. Know where your hurricane shelters are. Make sure you have all your documents ready and prepared to move with you if you have to. Um, get to high places where there's no flooding. Um, have all your supplies that you need and start planning your family plan from now. Don't wait when it comes and there's a big rush. One thing that we all have to focus on this year is the supply of foods and other types of supplies are going to be difficult because the, the, the supply chain is already in shambles across the world. So can you imagine on regular times when supplies are good, there's always this rush to the supermarkets and to the hardware stores and all that. Don't get caught up in that um, this year. Go ahead and get prepared from now so so you can have everything you need in the event of an emergency or a hurricane. All right, folks. And don't forget that we here on Cayman Mall Road have a hurricane special that we'll be airing um, each and every single month here uh, during hurricane season. Uh, Kevin Watler has put that together, some expert um, panelists who will be discussing all the details, all the ins and outs of hurricane season. And by the way, if you're interested in sponsoring some of our segments like the hurricane special, definitely reach out to the sales team at sales at caymanmallroad.com. Lots of opportunities um, for sponsorship there as well. So Jonathan, we'll talk about the Mandarin Oriental a bit later on. Tommy, good morning, brother Tommy. Yvette is here joining us as well. Allison sends her thanks to her guests, including Shamal and the entire um, hazard management team. And of course, Simon over there as well. So minister, um, you've been busy. I know that, um, you know, you've been making some recent trips and you've got a lot more that's going on. So we want to talk about this International Roads Federation and the fact that you're actually going to be attending the 10th annual International Roads Federation Caribbean Regional Congress, which will be happening in Barbados from the 7th of June to the 10th of June. So that title is very, very long for Regional Congress. Tell us, what is this all about? What is the International Roads IRF Caribbean Regional Congress? What is it? Well, what it is, is small island states like the Cayman Islands, like our home, um, meet um, yearly um, to discuss how best ways to improve our infrastructure by way of roads and transportation. And as you know, as Minister of, of Transport and the government's policy, when we delivered the budget, we hope to introduce a new transportation system. Um, obviously, right now we have a out for tender and a, um, a, an agency has one that tended to come back with the best strategy possible to improve our public transportation system. So while we're waiting on that report to come back on what the suggestions are, uh, I have some strong suspicions that it will be that everything will be brought under one umbrella because the current system that we have right now is all independent drivers, which have been stated by many professional transportation and road professionals to be one of the most unsafe um, systems of transportation, public transport in the world um, because it has a very competitive nature where bus drivers are trying to outdo the other um, in hopes of getting more revenue. Um, Naturally, everybody's going to hustle really hard to try to make a living, but um, there's one place we don't want people hustling or, or, or fighting over revenue 
it's with people's lives in the vehicle. So I suspect that that report will definitely come back with suggestions to put um, the public transportation system under a more reliable um, umbrella, a more structured umbrella, um, and it most likely will come back with um, government having to have some level of subsidy because we don't have enough people here for um, an agency to make it profitable. But in order for us to, to take an effect on transportation in the Cayman Islands, there may have to be some subsidy needed just to offer reliable services so people don't have to buy a car to get to work, get to school, and, and, and leisure events. Uh, awesome. So it's something the government is committed to. And speaking about this conference, this conference is where a lot of that understanding and formulation and examination of legislation, networking on how other island states are doing that, um, where much of that networking happens. Um, you get an opportunity to speak to other ministers in transportation, other professionals, um, and, and you can talk about what other countries have done, what models they use, what legislation and regulation they use. So it's a really good exercise for me as minister as we are slowly coming to that point where we'll be transitioning to a new transportation system, which I hope will be within at least a year from now, that I'll have all the background information on what's best suited for the Cayman Islands. Um, we have a very unique um, jurisdiction. We're very flat. Um, we haven't had a lot of infrastructure put in place for preparation for a bus transportation system. Unfortunately, as you see, over the many decades, there was not a lot of... Um, thoughts about bus lanes or bus pull-offs. Many bus drivers just pull off on the side of the road, which causes traffic risk. Um, so a lot of these things that I will have to go off and take back as a report to explain to my colleagues, listen, you've tasked me as the transport minister to come up with a reliable transportation system. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we're going to have to budget for in the next budget um, and, and what kind of legislative reforms we will need. So this is a lot of the background research necessary that needs that will be done in order for us to transition to that. And what better way to do that um, than talk with other persons and other jurisdictions and other ministers who've gone through that transition and the professionals there who are best guided to tell you how to do it. There's also the other benefit of, of finding unique funding opportunities as we try to be more sustainable and use more renewable options there is international funds that are available for us to tap into if we want to go down that full renewable option. But I must advise that that may not be the best option at the start for the Cayman Islands because it's a very cost-intensive like, exercise. Um, we're talking about if you were to have um, battery-operated or fully electric um, buses, you'd have to have bus um, charging stations um, at least in three different locations in the island. And that's within the millions of dollars. Also, what kind of um, model we're going to use in respect to the implementation of a national public transportation system is yet to be decided. Whether that be a PPP or whether it comes under a, a brand new government authority or whether it continues to be uh, under our department. Um, so we're, we're part of our um, request for a new strategy, which um, the Deloitte & Tush um, firm has been selected as the agency to give us that strategy or uh, to give us the suggestions. Um, we have to examine all those models. So there's a lot of um, a lot at, at at stake right now moving forward for transportation, and I'm excited about this um, um, this trip and this conference. I hope to learn a lot. I'm taking um, my chief officer 
also mm-hmm. the director for tourism, who is the chairman of the transportation board. Um, she's been the chairman for, for I think about a decade now, if, I, if my memory serves me well, at least two administrations. Um, so she, she's very knowledgeable in what our current model is. And I'm also taking um, senior um, inspector at the transportation unit, Mr. Kim Ramon, um, because we definitely want to take the necessary technocrats and experts there. So they're going to be the ones charged with delivering the government's policy. And the government's policy is to transition into a new, more efficient and affordable transportation system that is reliable. So it makes no sense as me as minister go over there and learn it and understand it. I can go and get the understanding from a legislative and regulatory process to implement it. But you also want your technocrats who are going to be the persons who are implementing this new vision once we have decided that as a government of how it's going to be. So the whole team is going to go there. We hope to have some um, um, good amount of knowledge, have a report of what we have learned, what we're going to use, and tie that information with the suggestions from, from, from the Deloitte & Touche report and tie them together and hopefully have something prepared that once we are ready for the new budget in 24, 25, that we can, I can convince my colleagues to give me the necessary funding available to transition to a new transportation system. Now, I know that that um, 24 may sound a far ways away because we're only in 2022, but it's going to, it's going to take a, a substantial change and, and some serious commitment financially to ultimately change our, tra- our public transport system appropriately. Mm-hmm. So we have to plan appropriately, uh, budget appropriately. And one of the reasons we couldn't go any faster is because the money is necessary to do such a, a transition wasn't available in this budget. As you know, when we started this budget, we were still in a pandemic. So I'm trying to do this in the appropriate, strategic, um, timely way that hopefully we can have some sort of, of, uh, of, of solution in sight by the year 2024 that people can start to feel confident that they will need to buy a car, particularly with the fuel cost um, continuing to rise across the world, that we can have something that people can be confident in and say, listen, you know what? I can be fine. My kids can get to school. I can get to work. I don't need to buy a car and, and continue to add pollution to our, our environment and so forth. So there's so many benefits. I just know that I have to execute this appropriately. So all the necessary background work needs to be done before we execute the plan when that time comes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so, yes. Sorry. Go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say that um, this conference sounds like all the movers and shakers in the world of transportation around the region will be there. And undoubtedly, it will give Cayman an opportunity to learn from our regional partners on what has worked and what hasn't worked uh, for them. And of course, then take it, as you say, and try to tweak it into something that is a viable plan specific to the Cayman Islands. Because there are things that are different about the Cayman context, including our road infrastructure. I mean, we don't have the biggest roads in the world. So obviously, you know, what types of buses we could potentially use um, would be something that would have to be taken into consideration to make sure that that mode of transportation is safe for people who are using it. And quite frankly, um, Minister, as we continue to see the increase in everything from fuel costs to just operating a vehicle, more and more people are considering that if they had reliable, decent transportation, you know, they would opt not to own a vehicle because of all the associated costs. So I'm glad to see that the PAC government is committed 
to uh, taking this forward in a real serious way. Uh, thank you so much for that, Sandra. You're 100% right. And I just want to add to some of the things you said, not only reliable, but safe and affordable, which uh -huh. is the key component. Because as we try to uh, tackle the traffic problem, the traffic problem and the transport problem are tied together, but they're not exactly the same. So um, traffic has to do with a number of other factors, where you live, how, how, um, whether you can afford a car, and, and so forth. Um, transport um, is, is a system that can affect the transportation uh, traffic situation. So you have to create this, this, this infrastructure um, uh, and this service to convince people not to be in the traffic problem. So you want safety. Um, you know, some people I've heard expressions of, boy, I don't want to go on a bus, the type of environment sometimes you hear about inappropriate language uh, because it's not regulated properly. Um, with the bus system, the public transportation system right now being individually owned, there's no uh, proper umbrella of regulation under, under an authority or under a company where part they can have employee policies of how you carry yourself, um, the kind of customer service you give, reliability and penalties for not making your stops on time, not breaking the law in respect to traffic, um, upkeep of the of the vehicles and so forth. These are small things you don't think about um, that you see in other systems. So if you say you take the bus here in the Cayman Islands and you take the bus in the UK, what's the difference? And it's the examination of all the things structurally together that gives that comfort as, as well as the affordability of it. And that's where I was talking about the um, subsidy that may need may need, be needed from government. I hope, I hope it is not much, but yeah. I suspect based on our population of just over 70,000, not everybody's going to take the bus. I wish, I wish that was the case because we can have a, a more clean environment by way of our air, but um, it's not even practical to, to have everybody. But what percentage can we use and whether that's an affordable model um, our ultimate goal is see it as an investment to reduce the other problem of traffic. Um, if we can have a reliable system, maybe we don't have to spend so much money on building more roads. Um, so, so though it may be some point down in the future where there's a subsidy necessary for an, an efficient, affordable, safe, functioning transportation system, it will be seen as an investment, not an, not an expense because you get the benefits in other places where you don't have to spend the money. Mm -hmm. There's another point that I want to highlight that you suggested about the difference in the Cayman Islands and other jurisdictions. Um, say, for instance, we're not very mountainous, so we don't have to go up and down or, or around hills and, and mountains. Wow. Uh, Cayman is very flat. But the, the unique thing about this conference that is beneficial to the Cayman Islands is that very similarly, we, don't, we haven't had structured planning for our road systems. Most Caribbean islands kind of just, you know, for the last 50 years or 100 years, didn't have what you find in the United States, where it's parallel roads and, and planning from, from 100 years ago, where mm -hmm. the systems are, are put in place. So how do you get around implementing a new transportation system with an ad hoc road infrastructure? Now, ad hoc as of the last 15 to 20 years, um, we're trying to make sure that it's more um, thought out now moving forward in this day and age in respect to our road infrastructure. But before that, the little side roads that we make, they can be in S's, they can be in eights, they can be straight, they can be bent. Um, so, so with that in place, how do you put in an effective, reliable transportation system with that? 
And because many of the Caribbean islands have that same problem, they would have gone through that exercise already, found where the pitfalls are, find where the successes are. And that's the part that is valuable and the learning curve of networking with other um, agents, other ministers, other members of government, other technocrats. And that's what we want to learn when we go there so that when we do our execution of a new transportation system, that we can be successful with minimal pitfall, pitfalls. All right. Well, thank you so much for that, Minister. And just a quick um, correction on uh, the press release from the Premier's office. My apologies to Miss Tammy. It seems that I actually read it incorrectly. So here we are. I read, I saw Mark the 20th anniversary. It's important to read every single word, folks. I didn't read the bit before that that says in two years time. <laughs> so <laughs> just on the fly. So they did get it right. It is 18 years. I saw Oh, we're marking the 20th anniversary. Well, it says in two well, years. now. <laughs> I know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is a little bit weird because I, I would have thought we would just say, you know, here we are 18 years in and blah, blah, blah. But it says in two years, we will mark the 20th anniversary. So they weren't actually saying that this is the 20th anniversary. So thank you so much, folks. Um, I had to look at it again. And I uh, someone said, no, it actually says in two years time. So that's why the brain was a little bit confused, but uh, Ms. Tammy got it right. So thanks for that. So just a few comments that are coming in, folks. Please don't forget that you can call into the program at any time. The telephone number 936-BOBO, that's 936-2626, is the phone number. Do join us if you have a comment or question about this. And we're going to talk about other things that fall under the minister's remit. So um, Jonathan says, don't worry. I'm sure by September when gas is $10 a gallon, there'll be a lot <laughs> less cars on the road. <laughs> He's probably right. <laughs> well, probably the only benefit to, to the fuel prices going up. I tell you, Aliano says there are many um, issues. It comes down to the need of people driving for transportation's sake. Um, he also says inner city movement is bogged down by oversaturated vehicle density and the heavy choke points of traffic in and out of Georgetown need to be eliminated. So uh, is there any consideration being given, Minister, to the reduction um, of vehicles in our roadways? Because yes, public transportation is important, but are there any other measures that are being considered um, on how to control the um, flow of, of traffic here in the Cayman Islands? Yes, uh, of course there is. Um, um, and I, I was just explaining to uh, my colleagues the other day on what my thinking is as transport minister. Um, how do we get to resolving the tra traffic problem? Uh, and I think it falls in five particular areas. One, a proper transportation system, which I believe has to be first before we're going to have a serious effect on traffic. Roads are improvements and expansion of some roads, not just for roads for road's sakes, but thought out processes in respect to where roads are needed. Mm -hmm. Also, um, safety and education into how to drive. The other part is legislation and reduction of importation of vehicles. And lastly, the decentralization of our services from a government perspective. Because what we have is everybody, 80% of the country coming to, to Georgetown every single day and going home every single night. That in itself um, has to do with the lack of, of spreading the work employees. So I, I must admit that previous administrations have thought forward um, about this problem, hence the reason for the school being built in the Eastern Districts, why you see 
um, the uh, transport unit up in the Eastern Districts, supermarkets and all of those things up there. Now, that's great. So people are moving down there to live and their kids can go to school, they can buy, but they still got to come back to town to work. And we're talking about the biggest employer in the country, which is the civil service itself. So if we can ex um, carry some of those uh, that major percentage of workers and keep them either in the western side or on the eastern side, then we won't have so many people coming in the same direction at the same time. So, for example, if you just had 100 people all driving and this accumulates, this 100 people represents all the traffic in the morning and 100 of those people going in the same direction, if you take 50 of those and say, okay, you no longer work in town, you now work in Newlands or in Bordentown, you have reduced the traffic by 50%. So decentralization works in that way. Um, roads um, is a continuous thing as your economy grows. Why I say transportation a unit has to be first is because though we would like to do reductions in cars from coming into the island, um, because we don't have a trusted, reliable, and I dare say safe transportation system, public transportation system, you cannot implement these reductions on vehicles because it is important that employers have uh, can depend on their employees getting to work. What we sometimes hear is about employees um, waiting on a bus, say for instance on work permit, don't want to buy a car, which many of us think that work permit holders shouldn't really necessarily have to get a car, but that's a different discussion for a different day. But they get out of their house. They say, let's say they live, they live in Bond Town. They get up in the morning. They're waiting for a bus. They got to be to work at 7 a.m. They've been outside at 6.15, still waiting, waiting, waiting. There's no, there's no certainty that that bus will be on time. And it jeopardizes them from being to work on time, um, you know, working for your business and, and making sure that the doors are open for your customers. So they, in, they, the economy has to have reliable transportation for the system to work for all employees to get there. That's why everybody's willing to buy a car because you being late to work could be the reason why you get fired or not have a job, right? So mm -hmm. yes, we recognize that reducing the people who have access to the car, but you can't take away the transport um, option without replacing it with another one that is certain. So what we hope to do is start to take the effect on those reductions uh, of vehicles coming into the island with severe regulation and penalties are increasing fees for people who purchase particularly a lot of these Japanese cars after we have implemented a system that we, we are confident in to say, you no longer have an excuse. You have a reliable system that is safe, that is, that is affordable and dependable. Once we can deliver that, then we can execute the next step, which is um, you know going to the Minister of Finance, Finance and say, okay, we're gonna increase the duties on cars that are X O X age, or um, the fact is that it is a luxury to have your own personal transportation. We've just been so accustomed to it for the last 50 years. We don't recognize that when transportation actually became an option for the average person after the likes of Mr. Ford building these vehicles, it was a luxury. Um, most most um, jurisdictions has always been public transportation. So if you eventually if we continue with this saturation of our population, with the lack of infrastructure by way of roads, and you want to continue to do that, you're going to have to pay the price for it. That's the only way that we can make sure that our system works well. So increasing potentially the licensing fees or the duty importation fees and so forth, naturally people will fall away. They'll say, because right now a work permit holder can say, you know what, if I got to take the bus 
and I got to pay $3 in the morning, $3 in the evening, $6 a day, five days a week, six times three is 30, $30, $30 a week times four is 120, 240, 240 a month. And you times that by 12. When you check it out, it's almost the same cost of you um, buying a Japanese vehicle for $3,000 in license for the year. And then you have a transport vehicle for the rest of your leisure time. So when people have to make that decision, they make a decision saying, it's cheaper for me to just go buy another Japanese vehicle, which adds to the traffic problem, which adds to the pollution problem and in our environment. So we're going to change that model, but you have to put the transportation system in first. So whereby the transportation system becomes more reliable, it becomes cheaper, and then the access to buying your own car becomes more expensive. So naturally, people are going to go, I'm going to go with this option because it's just more cost effective for myself as an individual. So we were thinking about this. Um, um, the, 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 the road infrastructure changes is more long-term and progressive. This continues to happen as your, your population, your nation grows. In respect to decentralization, that's long-term. That's a government and a government after government strategic planning to say, you can't continue to build all government services in the central part of town. What kind of departments could we put in outside of the, outside of the central area? Could we put public works? Can NRA go there? Can customs be outside? So all the people who are coming into work are not coming straight to central, um, the central district. Um, so that's long term. Roads is long term. Um, driver education and safety can be short term. That could be something that's constantly done by DVDL. Um, the regulations for for car importation that happens after the transport system. So I personally believe that we will not be able to have the dent that we want on, on traffic until after we've implemented a reliable, safe and affordable transportation system, which this government through me as minister hopes to implement by 2024. So, but we will continue to try to attack it as much as we can um, by road improvements. As you can see, the Honorable Minister Jay Ebanks has done a wonderful job so far with just the small little changes they have made um, mm -hmm. on the Linford bypass. And you can see it's starting to alleviate a lot of pressure already. And people are talking about it. Um, yeah, so he will continue to... yeah. Sorry, I'm surprised because my aunt said yesterday that um, she lives off of Kuroad. And before it would take her like 45 minutes, an hour um, from Walker's Road to get home in the evenings. And now she said it's like 10 minutes because of the minor changes that have been made by adding those additional lanes um, onto, you know, that area of, of the, um, of the bypass, um, the end of the Linford Pearson. So truly amazing. We do have a caller who's on the line and then some comments. And then I think Jared might have a question or two as well. Uh, Jonathan yeah. says it's going to be a luxury to have your own car. Um, it's going to be a luxury to eat steak and soon it's going to be a luxury to have two ply toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, honey child. Let's not go there yet. Good morning, uh, Denny. How are you? Thank you for calling the program. Morning. How are you doing? Beautiful. How are you? Good. Um, Mr. Brian, I I just understood you to be saying that the way you're gonna make public transportation affordable is by raising the cost of other transportation. Uh, no, well, there's two different things. Public, um, personal transportation and public transportation is two different things, right? And I didn't say raising the cost of a personal transportation is going to be the way to benefit and make it um, affordable for public transport. What I actually said 
was making government potentially having to subsidize it to make it more affordable. That's what I said. Well, you you did say about subsidies in relation to um, public transportation, but that is because, um, well, it won't be uh, affordable. And so what you then went on to say is that the second phase of what you would do is be to raise the cost of owning a personal car. And I don't think that's yeah, well, the way you lower the cost of, of transportation. The, well, what, we, what we we're trying to do is incentivize people from, from buying vehicles. Um, well, is there anything that, is there anything, items that you would not be able to take on the bus? Yeah, there would probably be, depending on what system. And I mean, this is obviously in the embryonic stages, so we don't know exactly but, what kind of system so we're going to have. What would you but, not be able to take on the bus? Well, I can't tell you that answer yet, but we have many other examples in other jurisdictions where you see systems where you can only have yourself as an individual or you're allowed to carry on supermarket shopping stuff. So I've seen stuff in England where part people can get on the bus with their with with a with a bicycle. I've seen new models in the in, in the Asian market where they actually have bike racks. Um and, and I'm talking about quite efficient, up to date modern bike racks on on bus on bus systems. So it depends on what model we use. Now, obviously, we'll make that decision at that time, and we're not here to eliminate all transportation uh, altogether, um, but to disincentivize um, well, the likes of people who... that's penalizing. That's penalizing people for having a different tra- mode of transportation. I think that if you want to provide public transportation, you find a way to make it be affordable, not, not penalize another means of transportation that sounds wrong well 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 the other part is not necessarily a, a penalty it's more of a disincentive uh disincentivize let me give you that's that's fine you can disagree with me denny but there's other component to cars other than transportation you have the environmental component where we want to disincentivize people from driving there's also the dump of all of these vehicles going to the dump and the unsightliness of people once they're finished with those vehicles and what they do with them. So there's other components as to the reason why we wouldn't want a lot of people buying these secondhand Japanese vehicles that only last a year and so forth. But one of the benefits is if we increase the fees on them, that they were more likely to take a bus transportation system. But there's other components why we would take uh, a policy position of increasing it. But also here's another benefit the revenue earnings is going up. What you don't recognize, and a lot of people may not see on a regular basis um, because they don't probably have the opportunity to go through, you know, uh, uh, a 900-page document of our budget, but the amount of money we spend on road infrastructure. And the reason why the high cost of road infrastructure is there is to facilitate the amount of cars. So every action has a reaction. And I agree with you that, this may be a bit of a penalty for some to say, well, I want to have my own vehicle, but something you want and something you need is two different things. Um, and that may, I mean, even be taken out of context as well. But in order well, for you well, to have, ha- yeah. Well, if you say that, okay, you don't want to deal with the Japanese cars in a certain way after their life has been expended, then you deal with that aspect as a cost to properly address that part. But don't make 
like the cost of owning the car itself just in and of itself more expensive if if any car not just a japanese car but any car that's going to be going to the landfill facility and they're going to say well okay what do we do with what government's going to be saying well what's the policy about how this will be addressed then you need to say well what's the cost to government to handle this or make a policy about how it has to be done and you deal with that as part of the ownership of all cars Not sure enough it's a, it's a good point i mean there, there's many ways it's going to cap and you're maybe right about that um i think it's still being an expense regardless of how you you work it so it's either That's you increase fine, it on but, buying but, it or increase but, it on on disposing it it's still an increase uh, but but this this, no, this no, concept but, this concept of increasing the fees to disincentivize persons from buying it is not a new one. Almost every other Caribbean island has done exactly the same thing. Some of um, the worst policies in the world are really old. But the, the fair enough, fair enough. And, 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 and the PAC administration is not perfect, and neither am I as, uh, as minister. But I don't want to, well, to think negative before we've made that decision. I'm giving you some well, ideas and parameters. It's not a matter of negative. It's, okay. it's, it's problem solving. And so what I'm saying okay. is, is that is that if you can say well here is a service that government has to provide because you have you own a car mm-hmm. okay then you show well okay here's what it costs government therefore you justify the expense that's completely different from saying well we don't want you to have cars so we can jack up the price of owning cars come two completely well, different things fair enough fair enough so you're saying that we should not increase the cost of vehicles I, as a disincentive, as, a cost as a of duty. But if the if see like how you pay up a percentage right now for of, of a disposal fee, right? Uh huh. In other words, government is justifying that it has to do something with this car. If you decide that the way that this is going to be, um, um, um transferred out of your name and then it's going to end up in a landfill and government say well here's this what it's going to cost me if you choose to do it that way that's a that's a valid argument to say well government's going to incur such and such a cost so we're going to have to charge for that type of of service that's fine that's legitimate but what isn't legitimate is saying we want you to all get on a bus so we can make owning a car uh uh, more expensive just just to get you on the bus and then when you get me on the bus then you tell me i can't carry my gun on the bus and we can examine those different options and, and make that decision then um it's a model that has been used and i must say that it's one of the first i think the minister might be we will have the technical. here we go yeah, you were just pixelated for a second, but it looks like you're back now. All right, Denny, well, well, thank you. Thank you for those comments. All right. Take care. Okay. All right, my dear. All right. We do have others. And of course, you can call in as well. All of your voices are important. And I'm sure the minister wants to hear from you. 936 uh, Jared has a question or comment for the minister. Yes. Morning, Sandra. Morning, Siobhan. Morning. Try to keep your comments to maybe one or yeah. two. Uh, so the question, the question that I have is, you know, is the minister looking to implement non-fuel emission cars by 2030, 2040? Is that a 
goal. And the second question is, um, if the government takes on this government-owned transport company, which it seems like it's a possibility, will the buses be non-fuel emission or non-fossil fuel, meaning they don't use gas? Electrical buses. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, what was the first question? What year was it? 2020, I thought you No, 2030. Like, you know, okay. having people move to more electrical vehicles, that sort of yeah, thing. Most, 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 most definitely. Um, we're trying to get to that place, but we're 2022, almost 2023. And the, the ability to, trans, to, to translate into that in that short period of time without the necessary infrastructure would be a very hard task. But the ultimate hope is to move towards that. Now, you probably heard from the Honorable Premier talking about sustainability and being um, supportive of our environment. Uh, and, and, and renewable energy is something very, very important to him. That's one of the key components in our report that we've put in to say, make sure that there is a reliable component in our transportation system, the public transport system. Now, whether or not we'll take a policy to incentivize persons to buy cars that are electric is already started from many administrations before. So right now you can actually buy a fully electric vehicle with no duties at all, up to a certain amount. So this is not only this administration, I think it's progressively across the world that people are trying to move to renewable um, energy transportation. Um, and that's why I'm happy about going to Barbados because Barbados is one of the jurisdictions who have put in the infrastructure necessary for their public transportation system, not personal transportation system, um, to do renewable transportation for buses. So yes, we want to get there. Uh, it's going to be a long-term um, uh, exercise. Uh, it happens only when the affordability and the timing of the public and the science and development of technology grows. So one of the things you may see with Elon Musk is that he are trying really, really hard to make the battery last longer uh, and be more affordable. The quicker the science moves to that, the quicker any jurisdiction can move forward to that. We want it, but we can't, like, like Denny has said, we can't force the public to do something they can't afford because most electric vehicles are pretty expensive. Um, and and the, more, the more infrastructure is placed and, and from a government standpoint and the public standpoint, like charging stations, then we can expect people to say, no, now you have enough transportation or, or charging stations. You don't have the excuse to use fossil fuel. The UK is probably one of the most strongest jurisdictions on pushing and forcing at a cost, I dare say, forcing people to get into renewable um, transportation. But they themselves had to pull back on some of the things they did because they realized they don't have enough infrastructure for charging stations even if the public did buy electric cars, there's just not enough charging locations. So this is the management of the timing of all the different um, elements that make the big picture of transportation um, at a renewable level. So, but, but to answer your question, we hope to get there. When exactly is actually up to a number of factors. And the last supplemental question that I had, uh, the bidder, the successful bidder, did they give an estimate on how much it would cost to do the report because I know they're doing a report because yeah it, it's yeah, unfortunately it, pretty pretty expensive um, because the transportation strategy as well as the 
the tourism, long-term cruise tourism strategy has been put together as one document because much of the information is reliable on the other. So long-term cruise tourism strategy is dependent upon how your bus system works. How do you move passengers and customers around the island? Uh, why is it that they all go to Seven Mile Beach? Is it because there's not a bus, bus transport to go east? So we thought that it'd be good that one agent or, or one company do both reports. And unfortunately, it's over $300,000 for both reports. Now, I know that sounds like a lot. And, and funny enough, when you say that, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have this discussion today, because we could have done the report in-house within government for, say, $80,000. But... As I was explaining to my colleagues, listen, this is going to be a very sensitive topic, particularly with tourism and transportation and what recommendations we come up with. I'd rather have a private entity make those recommendations based on international norms and practices um, and, and, and best solutions so we can look at what their recommendations and choose from there. So it can be seen that it's not the civil service, it's not the politicians that recommend this, this is an independent body who have analyzed all the data and made these recommendations. So there is no, there's no accusations of why are you going down this road or why are you doing that? So unfortunately, sometimes those reports may be expensive, but because the nature of Cayman and sometimes how we are as a people, which we, I sometimes have to accept, it's best that when, when, when somebody else say it, it sounds better than when we say it ourselves. So I've, I've, I've um, given the support to my team to go ahead and initiate that so i know that they're in the process that i can't tell you exactly where it is today i think the the the, the agency that has been selected will be notified within a couple of days to start executing and the All last, right, Jared, last... Jared, i did tell you one or two honey child <laughs> okay yeah i'll, I'll wait. You need to go back to me great, great questions Jared. great questions <laughs> He's like in question number six and he's still going. All right. Uh, he's, Melody. Up and coming, he's up and coming. Oh, yes. He's 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 very passionate. And that's good. Passion is is definitely about 50 percent of the equation. Uh, Melanie says lower paid employees are no longer going to be able to own and fuel a car, fully support a safe, affordable and dependable public transport system. Construction and maid service employers should also reintroduce their own employee transport for pickup, drop off to job sites. And some of them, Mel, are doing that. I've seen them uh, even in my neighborhoods. There is a Filipino company that um, they bring all of their workers because uh, they bring six people one time to clean your house, child, because that way in <laughs> an hour they're done. Yes, it's, it's very efficient in a way, actually. Um, so I see them, they drive and they have all the supplies in the vehicle and their staff and you know, they drive and drop them off and pick them back up. So, yes, good advice. Magdalene says the premier has the responsibility for the environment. We should cease the importation of vehicles that are old. It needs to stop immediately. Um, I don't know. Do you have any idea, Minister, what's the average age of a vehicle that is being um, imported into the Cayman Islands? Do we know? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I know I do have a report that suggested what the average age was like four years ago. Um, but I'm quite sure that we can get the updated information from DVDL, which falls yeah, under the minister. Please make a note to send that to me because Magdalene raises a very interesting point, and I'm curious to know. Um, now I know that the you know um, Japanese vehicles, especially Hondas, are very very um, desired vehicles. I think it's because they are cheaper and yeah. uh, they're easy to get from a lot of these Japanese. Uh, 
you know, car ordering companies. It's a big market, especially for persons um, in the Caribbean who oftentimes purchase secondhand vehicles. So that's why every, you know, I, I would garner, if I had to just guess off the top of my head, I would say Hondas are definitely the most imported type of vehicle model. No um, doubt, no doubt. And um, they probably account for maybe 75% of the cars on our streets, everything from the Honda Fit. You've got mm, not, that, not that much, but a, a very large portion. Yeah, maybe um, But not that much. All right. I say it's below 50%. You think it's below 50? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it, I mean, the, the top three, the top three um, imports is Ford, Toyota, and Honda. Yeah, Honda's um, in the number one so spot for sure. But yeah. I've actually been in traffic before and saw two Hondas, exact same Honda fit, same color, everything. It's just like, whoa. Um, okay, so thank you, Magdalene. We'll, we'll get some additional information on that because that's an interesting point. Um, and of course, one of the reasons why the Japanese market is so interesting is because in that country in particular, they don't allow old vehicles on their roads. So they get rid of vehicles. I forget how many years they're, you know, you can have it maybe four or five years and then you can't have it anymore. So it becomes, uh, it has opened up a secondhand used market for the Caribbean region because most Caribbean cars uh, allow people to import these older model vehicles where in Japan themselves, they don't do it. They, they change out vehicles quite easily. There was a, a special that I was watching some months ago about that. And it's a very, very interesting concept. Anyway, Sherianne shares that work permit holders should not be able to import vehicles due to the fact that they import two or three vehicles and they sell two. Sad. Um, so maybe even, you know, if you're going to import a vehicle, which a lot of people are doing this as a side hustle as well. I see a lot of, you know, people who are like, and listen, you, some of y'all are getting in trouble with this because you're ordering vehicles from people that you can't, you don't know anything about them. They're like, oh yeah, I can order your vehicle. Next thing you know, they take your hard earned money and you never get your vehicle. Oh, child. <laughs> I've been getting a lot of complaints about that. And then y'all come to Sandy, talk about Sandy, fix it, child. I'm like, uh, some of y'all need to fix your common sense. Not everybody. <laughs> is meant to be importing stuff for you. One guy, yes, this is recent complaint. <laughs> he scounded off to Jamaica, honey. Gone with the woman's money and she not got no car and she's calling me and complaining. Um, <laughs> prevention is better than cure. Mr. Amelia says, moreover, it gets dumped in her um, communities and on her streets. Mary, good morning. Uh, Mary says, Denny, what does it mean by increasing the cost in personal transportation? Is that, uh, as usual, the elite will have the luxury? Um, I think uh, the minister addressed Denny's comments in reference well, well, to well, uh, Sandra, allow me to, to, to say something there because it's important. I, I see his, his concern that if you take uh, the cost, um, uh, if you make it more expensive for the public, then you have less uh, privilege or the opportunity. I don't know how you best want to term that, but not everybody will be able to have a car. But if every single person can have a car and potentially one or two cars, that's 70,000 people. Our roads can't handle 70,000 people. It's just a simple fact, right? So if I change the policy and say, okay, you can't import cars that are older than 10 years, wouldn't mm -hmm. that be the same thing? Because obviously the, the uh, are, are older than five years. Obviously, the earlier, the, the younger the car, the earlier, the, the newer the car is, the more expensive it is. So we can change the policy and say, okay, I'm not going to increase the duties. Forget that. So it doesn't look like we're trying to increase cost to an average person. But say, if you want a vehicle here, it has to be energy efficient. 
and it can only be the maximum five years old. That increases the cost right off the top because many of the cars that come here, the reason why they're cheap is because they're already 10 to 15 years old. And that is the problem we're trying to tackle at the same time, reducing the amount of cars to come. Now, if most people could say, I can afford a five-year-old car and it's still the same amount of people on the roads, then we may have to find a different uh, approach to dealing with traffic. That may mean that actually we do need more roads because the public wants that. They're willing to pay for that. So I just want us to put it in context. I'm not trying to stop people who want to drive to drive, but I want to help people who don't want to have to drive to have a reliable, safe, and efficient service to get to work and to their leisure events. And maybe at some point, Minister, we as a general public need to have a reality check and we need to understand that there are certain things in life that are considered a luxury. And of owning a vehicle, you know, <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, K-Man problems. Well, as you see, Sandra, we, we I'm not enjoyed, allowed to say that. Uh, I can't well, say that certain people can't. You can't, can't say it, but let me, let me say it for you, Okay. This this is why when people say Sandy, you should go run for politics. I put a I, I pump them on the brakes. And I said no. You need people who just are going to tell you the cold hard truth. Now let me tell you something, y'all. Having a vehicle the world over is actually a luxury. Most places in the world do not have a vehicle. It's like most places in the world even have an access to clean water, which should be a human right, is a luxury. So in Cayman, we have been conditioned and raised to think that we should have everything that we want. Having a four or 5,000 square foot house is not a necessity. It is a luxury. When people say to you, like we had Miss Jean on the beach, oh, she wants government NAU to foot the bill $3,000 a month for her and her family, y'all have got to be kidding me. There are people someplace in the world who don't even make a salary of $3,000 for the year. Look at, look at people in Cuba. Why do you think they're running from Cuba? Caymanians, having a vehicle is actually a luxury. You have to be able to pay licensing, inspection. And, I, and listen, one of the things that we need to definitely get around to is having emissions testing because y'all be bringing in these vehicles that are horrible for the environment and spewing, especially the buses, all sorts of stuff in the environment, giving people lung cancer and God knows what else. Um, buying steak that's going to now cost you $50 a pound is a luxury. You do not have to eat steak. Oh, mess. Yes, it's a luxury. Emma says, you I have it, not me. One, number two, number three, bus to West Bay and none come to Northwest Point. They all go through Watercourse Road and we live in Northwest Point. We have to walk to Watercourse Road to get a bus. Um, something should be done about that. And speaking of bus, um, we, we are going to join Jean here in a second. Minister, I'm just going to ask you to bear with us because we do, um, we're going to do a little bit of a live, pull in a live stream. But someone was messaging me ironically um, just a couple of days ago, or not a couple of days ago, yesterday, about the bus fares. And they're trying to understand um, you know, the, the bus fares and, and how they work because they're like, there doesn't seem to be any uniformity in what they're being charged. So they were complaining about, you know, having to pay, I forget what the exact amount was, but um, a different amount for such a small distance. So I think if, if the government were to operate it, I guess one thing for sure is hopefully 
there would be a uniform system in terms of pricing and there'd be fewer questions and concerns about what people are even paying in order to um, utilize the bus service. So there are things like that about the continuity of um, and the consistency of certain things that, you know, if it was a public, a proper public transportation system could indeed be controlled. So Jonathan says he wasn't joking about the toilet paper. Um, listen, access to toilet paper around the world is a luxury. We need a reality check here, folks. There are a lot of places in the world that they will pick up a palm from the bush and whatever and wipe their behinds or they just wash it with some water. I think that's a luxury everybody should have, though. I mean, I agree. Trust me. Like I said, I'm a bit of a germaphobe. So, you know, yeah, I mean, all these things, folks, that we take for granted uh, elsewhere in the world are considered luxuries. And in Cayman, we want the luxury, but they don't, we don't want the luxury price. Um, Gabby says, put extra charges on the ones that have to get a new car every one or two years, not us that have the same car for five to 10 years, just saying. Mm -hmm. uh, Melanie says, good morning, Minister. Is there a public consultation committee that the public can provide feedback to and can we um, get stakeholders around the table? No doubt, no doubt. I am definitely going to be doing that. Um, I'm hoping to get the report back first so we can potentially publish that report and understand the science behind it. Because most of us as average persons will come to conclusions on perspectives based on what we see every day. But there's always other factors to be considered. And I'm, I'm hoping that I can be um, given permission to release the report once it's finished on what the recommendations are and then go out for public consultation. And I want to be able to try to do all of that before the next budget so I can plan appropriately and make the decision on what direction we're going to so I can have the funding in the next budget. So, yes, I agree, uh, Ms. Melanie, because um, we're going to have to have a, a hybrid model of, of a under one umbrella transportation system on the main arterials. Um, but when you get into the smaller neighborhoods, like, say, for instance, the West Bay area is an example. You may, may, may want the, the smaller buses doing the side roads and so forth. Do we want to keep that still individually owned? Uh, or do we want that to be a, 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 another section of a, of a company or an authority that has big buses for the main roads and then small buses for the, for the smaller communities? We don't know what that model will be. Uh, I just want the public to know that the, the necessary research and recommendations are coming so we can make that decision and take action and of course, that will include public consultation once we have an idea on at least one to three options for us to choose moving forward. Mm -hmm. All right, folks, um, we're going to go live here in a second at the Tortuga um, Recruitment Day. Uh, Jane is on standby. Let's just read a few more of your comments uh, before we do so. Uh, Rhonda says, totally agree. They don't um, come Morgan's Harbor either and people walk from the bakery to Morgan's Harbor they are ridiculous and need some serious competition so again in terms of bus routes um, you know you have to accept that a bus can't drop you at your front door all the time either sometimes you have to walk a little bit which most of us need to walk but I'm just saying uh, Roger Sophia good morning hybrid cars are good Maria says they should increase duties on imported cars by individuals that create that would create a deterrent. Um, Maria says vehicles should be allocated to amount of persons in a family, two people in a household, only one car, etc. So again, uh, talking about some vehicle controls as a potential um, suggestion. 
in terms of the, the duty, Maria, what you find is a lot of these vehicles that are being imported are not necessarily the original purchase price really isn't that expensive. So, I mean, it's the retail price on this end might be marked up quite a bit because then they have to recoup the cost of not just the duty, but the shipping and everything else, all the other costs. But what they pay for it and what they'd be paying duty on may not be much of a deterrent. I don't know. Um, and then Maria says, then put a year limit on the age of the car that can be brought in. And from a safety perspective, that may not be a bad idea. Sharon says that in uh, Bermuda, they have the limits of one car per household. Um, and Jess says, I agree with you 100%. Miss Brenda says one car per household until they can get the situation rectified. Uh-huh. Uh, Anthony says the infrastructure doesn't allow for this many four nationals to have two and three vehicles, make the rules and they comply and can't please everyone. And the betterment of Caymanians um, on all levels is paramount. Uh, so Ms. Brenda says if Cayman could uphold an inhumane policy for an indefinite period of time, no Rastas were allowed entry here, not even in transit, then this problem treat this problem with the same disdain. Well, unfortunately, that the Rasta situation would not be happening today. That was quite some time ago. And that has been legally challenged. And you'll find that that tends to be the case that in this day and age, what you could get away with before you can anymore. So you can't, uh, unfortunately, Ms. Brenda, you can't take that policy that, oh, we've done inhumane things before, then let's just do it. Uh, because the laws have changed and human rights and so forth have changed as well. Um, Paul joining us, he says, you're correct. There's a size restriction too. Um, maximum is 175 inches, maximum width 71 inches, maximum engine size 2,500 cc's. Ooh, interesting. Uh, again, Paul is joining us from uh, Bermuda. He listens every single day. Uh, Bonnie says there's also overcharging on the bus. East Ann and Northside have the worst bus service. And no one is doing anything about it. Good morning to you, Scott. Uh, Scott says hybrid cars require battery maintenance and replacement about every five years. So how are you going to manage that? So very, very interesting point, Scott, is again, having a hybrid um, vehicle is not something that um, is cheap. You know, again, that's a luxury. Having a hybrid vehicle is a bit of a luxury. And someone else you see, you see the components of the cost restrictions. Mm -hmm. So we want a, a more energy efficient, more clean environment. But these things come with cost. We want to take people off the roads. That comes with cost. But I'm glad to see many of the comments that you're suggesting are recognizing and supporting that there has to be some restrictions. And I, I understand Denny's point that you know nobody likes to be restrictive. But when it comes to the importance of national transportation and traffic and the flow of your economy, the government has to examine these options. Of course, we would love to have many roadways where there is free flowing and everybody can have what they want. That's not the reality. And we have to make decisions. What I want to give the public the comfort to know is that we're going to make informed decisions. And hence the reason why I'm taking these travels on Sunday for next week to be in Bridgetown Barbados, to talk to all the professionals, all the transport ministers of the region to see what they have done so we can learn and prepare for when we're ready to implement ours, hopefully in 2024, that we'll be ready and prepared to, to maximize and, and come out as efficient as we possibly can with a good transportation system to relieve many of these stresses 
that the Caymanian people have been fighting to resolve for many years now. So, Sandra, I know you're going to have to go. At least I think you were wrapping me up there. Well, you can, so. no, you, you can just hang tight. Uh, we're going to pull Jane in for a bit. But this is okay. about um, sort of tourism-related jobs. I'm sure you might find this interesting as well. Um, someone says if they have 100 cars, they can only drive one car at a time. But I think the point that uh, Ramili and others are making is normally those cars are being stored elsewhere uh, in lots of rental properties, especially for some uh, foreign nationals who bring in those cars in. They have to park them somewhere. So that's a whole other consideration in terms of driving. Yes, you can only ever drive one car at a time. All right, let's uh, go to our live stream now with Jean, and then we'll come back to your comments on this, and we'll continue the discussion here in a second with the minister. So, Jean, good morning. How are you? Hello. Good morning, Sasha. How are you doing today? Uh, we're doing well, thank you. So Jean is at Seven Miles Shops at the Tortuga location. They're having a uh, job recruitment fair this morning. So, again, they're looking for a variety of different jobs to fill. So he's going to just show us uh, in real time, live and direct, what is happening for you guys to in. So, um, good morning. Some people don't want to be seen. They look like they're camera shy. <laughs> no, I know. Okay. All right. Don't be camera shy, Tortuga folks. Um, so where is Mr. Dario? Can we have, we have Can we Dario right here. Hi, Dario. Good morning. Oh, gosh. No, I think you're going to have to just give him the mic and then just relay the questions to him. Because as soon as that, that pod goes in, we can't hear him. All right, we'll get uh, we'll get it sorted out. So the AirPods doesn't work with the mic system is what it uh, seems. Yes, all right. So just give him the microphone so that we can hear him properly. All right, uh, can you guys hear him now? Yeah, we can hear him now. There we go. Can you hear me? Oh, yep. So Dario, um, good morning. Uh, you guys are at the job fair this morning, the recruitment day at Tortuga. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there today and what this initiative is all about. Yeah, so obviously the recruitment day is a huge initiative for our Caymanian people. We want to be able to give jobs to our Caymanians. Uh, obviously anybody can come and apply, but this is definitely geared towards our local people. Um, we're, we're out here from 7 to 12 all day. We're taking applicants from 6.45. The, the camping out before we even started. Um, we want to get as much people for delivery drivers, sales reps, merchandisers, sidemen. A host of positions are available for anybody Okay, so we're having a little bit, we can't quite hear you clearly, I think, because of the wireless device, but essentially, I think you were saying that it's a recruitment day um, for the Tortuga organization, and you have a number of positions, everything from retail to um, drivers and other positions that you have available, and this is just an opportunity for Caymanians in particular to come out and um, participate in, you know, the job fair if they're looking for employment opportunities. So can you tell us what active uh, roles you have that are open as we speak that you're looking to fill? Yep. So just inquiring as to what active roles uh, Tartuga is looking to fill right now. So what are they hiring for? What positions? What are the active roles that are 
Yeah, so the action roles are specifically in regards to merchandising, delivery drivers, sales reps, which are essentially people that work out of our retail stores, sidemen, a whole host of from operations to retail. That's the kind of scope of what we're looking for today. And really encouraging our team manual people to come out and support the cause they bring their resumes, bring, bring their enthusiasm and their confidence to come out to apply today for a job. We're a company, rapidly developing business. We want to get as much people involved for the future ahead. All right, beautiful. So you guys are there until midday today. Uh, so another couple hours, people can still come out. What would you like for people to, when they come out to see you, what should they bring with them? So when people come here, Yeah, so very simple. Bring your confidence, a smile, and your resume. Come with enthusiasm. Come ready to, come ready to work. Come bring that energy in. Bring in your... Uh, Everything else you need as far as um, any credentials, that's all you need right now. Paperwork, resume, you got to come out and apply. We have, we have seniors, people that come to apply. We have interview sections going on separately as well. We're doing all of it right now to save you the time to come to the office later. All right, so folks, walk with your resume, walk with your A-game, a smile on your face, you're a superstar when you go in there looking for a job and make sure that that uh, confidence is exuberated, um, you know, across to the individuals who are there. So they've got a team of persons at the table at their Tortuga location store at Seven Mile Shops. They will be speaking with you and um, taking your resume, having a chat about the available positions so that you can get an idea of what would be a good fit for you. You can, you know, have a seat with them. Um, they've got, looks like beverages available as well. And uh, they're happy to tell you about all the jobs that they have available at Tortuga, which includes uh, store sales reps, warehouse staff, delivery drivers, and even some stuff on the admin side. So again, Tortuga has taken the initiative today, folks, to conduct a recruitment day. And they are looking for superstars 7 a.m. until 12 p.m. They're there today, June the 1st, at the Tortuga location in Seven Mile Shop. So, Dario, thank you so much um, for taking the time out of your morning and your recruitment efforts to just speak with us briefly so that people can get a real-time uh, view and insight into what's happening there. All right. I don't, I'm not sure that he heard me, but uh, all right. We'll, we'll let, um, we'll let Jean get back to it. And we'll also um, let Dario get back to it. Jean, send us some additional footage and we'll put that up later on. But folks, this is your opportunity to go by the job fair. They're still there until midday. And um, you know, you can submit your resume, inquire about specific positions, and the staff are on hand to tell you exactly what those positions entail and what they're all about. So good stuff. We, uh, we appreciate that. Are you a superstar who's ready to work with a fast-paced, rapidly developing company? Then come on down because we want to meet you. Tortuga Rum Company Cayman is having a job fair. We are excited to get back to business and will be hosting a job fair on Wednesday, June 1st at our Seven Mile Shops location. We are hiring all positions, including store reps, warehouse staff, and delivery drivers. Don't miss this opportunity to bring your A-game at the Tortuga Recruitment Day. Get out there, get it done. That would be uh, my best recommendation to all of you. Uh, thanks again, Jean and the Tortuga staff. Uh, Minister, are you still with us? Yes, I am. All right, beautiful. As you can see, we're busy here in CMR these days, honey chill. 
Um, oh, yes, my apologies. We do have Eddie who is uh, on hold. Eddie, my apologies. I almost forgot you were there. <laughs> morning, Sandra, and morning to the minister. Good morning, Bobo. How you doing? Good morning. Um, are you back? Morning, morning. Are you back on island, by the way? I saw you uh, were traveling all over the world. Kind of, but uh, okay. down with the the COVID after effects has got me down. <clears throat> so excuse me if I start breaking off in a cough. COVID? Um, you caught the COVID? Oh, in the middle of in traveling between the U.S. and Europe, yes. Oh, so and, sorry to hear uh, that. It, it is what it is. You know, it's a chance you take and you have to deal yeah. with the consequences. Um, and, and that's the main reason. Well, one of the main reasons we're calling. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been... I've been keeping very low. I think the minister would, would have noticed that by now. Mm -hmm. um, publicly, I have retracted from everything in, in quite frankly, a complete disappointment um, of, of what I've seen going on with my country. And, and you know, there's only so, much, so many times I'm prepared to bang my head against the wall. But given that I have just been traveling substantially throughout the U.S. and Europe, mm -hmm. I'm going to restate for the millionth time what I know the minister knows. And mm -hmm. if the minister does not know, this is certainly his advisors do. And that is that our public transport system needs to be just that, public. Not subsidized, not owned partly by some other people. It needs to be owned and operated and run by the government. And I say that because I simply fa simple fact of the matter is if a wheel ain't broken, don't try to fix it. And when you look around the world and you see um, functional, punctual transit systems, mm -hmm. they're all run by the government because of its nature it has to be subsidized in one form or another mm -hmm. if it was ever to be privatized privatized okay and 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 the problem with subsidizing private entities is it just keeps opening the door for milking the system by unscrupulous um third-party service providers mm -hmm. and that's the sad part now don't get me wrong i'm fully aware of the fact that government isn't always ones who can run anything efficiently but the fact of the matter is that some things have, the bull has to be taken by, uh, by the horns because the reality is we need educated or, or should I say well-mannered, decent and, and identifiable as in uniform wearing employees mm -hmm. that you can hold somebody accountable when they curse you out, when they're, when they're rude to you, when they don't stop at the, at the assigned bus stop or when they are not even um, going to the routes that they are assigned to because that is a known fact that happens. So the reality is, is that politicians, and I'm sorry, Mr. Bryan, this is not a pick on you, but this is a reality. Politicians find it very difficult to make hard decisions when it comes to affecting their constituents' pockets or their family members' constituents' pockets, as in private, uh, private owners who operate the system here now being told that they're no longer going to be able to offer bus systems. Mm. We have to grab the bull by the horns. And the reality is, is we do have to do something with, with, um, with our traffic. And the fact of the matter is, is that we are still to this day building highways and not a single indentation into the side of the roads for a bus to pull off of. And even when they're the few that they are, we're not making the private operators pull into them. So then they're stopped right in the middle of the road, causing this traffic. And then if you blow your horn, they turn around, won't come out and fight with you. So, I mean, it literally has to be a no-nonsense uh, um, attitude taken to this. And there was a time when there's a much disgraced politician now and lawyer who back in the, in the 80s and 90s was hated or despised by many and then ended up being loved by all, which is the former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani, when he took a no-nonsense approach and cleaned up New York. And it was very controversial. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, everybody fell in love with the New York that resulted from it. Now, mm -hmm. 
that I, I use that as an extreme, and maybe that wasn't the best example given the, the, the state of disarray his life is in now. But my point is, is if you think mm-hmm. back to when he did what he did, mm-hmm. the reality was that New York was a much better place after many people screaming and crying foul. But the reality is, it was better for the masses. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more harder decisions to made. I am very happy, and and I'm encouraged by the, the efforts of Minister Bryant. He has he's and a couple of others have been really working at it. So I do applaud him, and I always remain uh, available to him in, in, in helping in any way I can, even if it is on a roadside cleanup. But mm-hmm. I, in, in a whole, I think that the ministers, this, this government needs to take a no-nonsense approach. And just like how you do a child, you tell them, look, this going to hurt, but it's the best thing for you. Mm-hmm. Right? And because it's a short-term pain for a long-term gain. But we refuse to have these hard and difficult conversations. And so all we're doing is kicking the can down the road. So I hope that the minister takes my, my comments as intended, which, again, I applaud him for his efforts. At least he's doing something because I'm fed up with all the other crap. The, the photo opportunities are riding on a bus for a day and taking a bicycle down there and, and saying cheese in a camera. That was just an absolute joke with no infrastructure behind it. It, it, was, it, was, it was laughable. So, so thank you, minister, for what you're doing. But please, we need to take it a step further. We need to ratchet it up and we need to be honest with our people. And we need to have our people accept the realities of what's to come. But with that, that's just my two cents. That doesn't mean say I'm 100% right, but I think there's something there. Again, every operational transit system that I have been to in Europe and in the U.S. have all been operated 100% by, by the government. And oh, by the way, they're all going electric. Mm-hmm. Have a great day. Yeah. Take Thank care. you so much. Appreciate that. Feel better. All right, folks. Sandra. Yes, sir. Uh, if, I, if, I, if I may, I just want to say thank you so much to Mr. Eddie for calling in. Uh, I can't agree with him anymore. Um, he, he's, he's, he's hit the, the, the nail on the head, so to speak. And um, I hope that the actions that, that I'm taking now and the fact that we're talking about moving away from individual bus drivers is showing that we are taking the bull by the horn. Um, just to express to you that that thought went through my head is that, oh, talking about transitioning to a new transportation system, all the bus drivers are going to be mad at Kenneth. Uh, well, I mean, I was sent here to do a job. And I, I'm happy to say that ever since I've been talking about transportation system and where we want to go moving forward, it hasn't been as much of a pushback as you think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the public wants that and shares your concern as much as I do. Um, but the other thing that I want to address is that even for those Caymanian bus drivers, all-inclusive, new Caymanians, old Caymanians, all those Caymanian bus drivers, what the hope and the plan for government to be is if we move forward to that non-personal driver perspective, to a holistic approach, whether it be under a government company or authority or potentially a, um, a partnership. Now, I understand his reservations about the partnership, but that would maybe maybe mainly be associated with the fact of the financing that is necessary to implement it. So the government may not be able to come up with all the money it's going to take to do it. And that's why sometimes government allows private sector to do the service. But I understand his fear Uh about, about, you know, um, companies milking the system because we've seen examples of it. And I'm telling you that if we ever consider that, it's only because of lack of finances. And we have to recognize where the government is and that we're not in full recovery yet. Hopefully, by the time I make that decision on behalf of the government, we'll be in a financial position to say we don't have to go down that road. 
But getting back to the, the, the concern about drivers making the hard decisions, mm-hmm. um, the truth is Caymanians who are drivers, <clears throat> when we move away from that system, if that is what the recommendation is, which I'm almost 99% sure that's what it's going to be, um, we can have an, uh, a system whereby those Caymanian drivers can be the first crop of people that we choose to be the drivers for the system. Now, some people may be going, oh my God, don't do that, not those drivers. But the truth is some of the bad habits we see in our public transportation system is because there's not, there's not a structure around them. For example, what he mentioned about how employees behave on the job. There is no HR department that is holding an individual bus driver who owns his own bus accountable. It's his own personal decision. There is no penalties for bad behavior, uh, for talking to customers in a certain way, not dressing appropriately, not making the mark, not going on your route. So even though you may perceive that some of the drivers who are in the system may not be good to transition into, the, into a new system, I believe once the structure is there, they will operate within those parameters and work just as efficient as we need them to be. So I want to give comfort to those who genuinely love the job that they do in respect to transportation and public transport, that if we move, or should I say, confidently, when we move into that system, that you will have first preference and opportunity to be a part of that whatever model. Because we're not here to try to take away job opportunities from Caymanians. We're trying to maintain that, but at the same time, fix the transportation problem. And I want to uh, give comfort to Mr. Eddie that I'm willing to make the hard decisions. The PAC administration is willing to make the hard decisions to reduce the traffic, give more reliable, safe, and affordable and efficient service on behalf of the people because that's what they've asked for. Every politician that campaigned, the one, even those who lost, talked about traffic. And we know that trans, public transportation is a direct factor in traffic in this country. So we are committed. We believe we have the public support in respect to this. So we will be moving forward with it. We're just doing our prep work from now to, to get the science and information and knowledge and technology necessary, because uh, that's one component that I did not highlight in, in my discussions, is that we're in a new world of technology, Uber sharing. Um, um, there, there's, there, there's, there's many modes of, of apps that we can use to be more efficient with our transportation system um, and, our, and our personal use of transportation that we have to be more connected with. And those are the types of things that I hope to learn and understand and come back and transfer to the public of models that we can move forward with to help us be more efficient in respect to that. So I, I, I think that the, the listeners should leave with the confidence that we're on the right track and we are going to get there. We're just going to do it in the proper process so we can be confident that we've made the right decisions. All right, Minister, um, for radio listeners, there's no overtime for you guys. So we're going to go ahead and um, bid you adieu. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Everybody else, hang tight. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings.
right, folks, uh, welcome back. Our Bobo listeners are no longer with us. Uh, they're probably listening to some news. We'll continue just a few more comments and then we'll allow the minister to leave. Um, so thank you, Denny, for that comment. Uh, I, think, I think the difficulty is when you actually have, when you're conducting an interview, because obviously um, you've got more than one person trying to actually share the iPods remotely. So that might be a little bit different, but uh, yeah, we, we're still playing around with some of the ways in which to, to bring remote callers and stuff in. We just have a, a mic system, a um, lapel mic system that has proven thus far to be pretty reliable in terms of picking up audio, but we'll, we'll continue to tweet these things. I appreciate your feedback there, Denny, about the AirPods. Um, Ms. Brenda says building more roads is not the remedy or answer to this traffic disaster. It's adding to the problem. Anthony says, take the bull by the horns. It's not a friend business uh, in agreement with um, Eddie's comments. Jess says, thank you, Eddie. Uh, Gabby says, in regards to more roads, when is the Newlands arterial going to be continued? So what I can say in reference to that, Gabby, is we'll have um, the minister, uh, not the minister, sorry, we'll have the NRA, who is the agency that is responsible for uh, roads and infrastructure, and they can tell us quite a bit about the program. Now, I believe that we have scheduled them to be on the program next week. So just let me confirm that, Gabby, um, by Monday. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, message them right now and we'll go to let you know. Um, so Ms. Brenda says, if it's about building more roads and putting proper bus stops, public and especially school buses. So that would be part of the infrastructure system, definitely, that the minister is uh, speaking about. And other people are saying, uh, is as it relates to um, to hybrid vehicles, that you know people need to be properly educated because they say re-electric vehicles. Pass this on to Kenneth. Electric is not all what Uncle Joe is claiming it to be. Exactly. And JDMs are desirable because they have an acceptable degree of quality and are very reliable. And I think it was Scott who made a comment earlier as well about um, there is no proper way of disposal of electric and hybrid, hybrid car battery. Yep. So you're yep. adding to, you're trying to, on the one hand, help the environment or at least help your pocket with electric and, and uh, hybrid vehicles, but there's no waste to energy um, option or disposal method for these batteries. So then you're adding to the environmental impact and the landfill and so on. So uh, food for thought, folks, there's, a lot that happens, you know, like I said, nothing is ever as easy or superficial as it looks. You got to dig deep and make sure that you get the, the correct information. And so, you know, my hat's off to the government for at least starting the dialogue here this morning, uh, telling us about this conference that he will be attending. Now, Minister, I know that you had a lot more that you wanted to discuss, but unfortunately, time did not permit us to get into any of those things. The time goes by so quickly. So perhaps after you return um, from your trip, you'll come back on the program and we can talk about the tourism association, the tourism element of things and what has been happening on that front. All right, we'll do. I will do that. I really enjoyed today's show, but um, let's leave with some good news. I yes. have an announcement to make. Woo, so, great job. <laughs> um, my ministry it. and the Department of Tourism will be hosting the Caribbean Tourism Organization High Level Regional Conference here in the Cayman Islands in September. <clears throat> now, what does that mean? That means as Minister of Tourism and all the rest of the ministers across the, the, the Caribbean in respect to tourism, 
will meet up in the Cayman Islands to talk about where we are as a region and have some high level discussions about what have we learned in respect to the COVID effects and what do we need to do moving forward. And also, I would like to announce that the Honorable Miss Mia Motley will be visiting the Cayman Islands in September. Uh, we haven't had the final, final, final approval yet, but all indications are that she will be attending that um, from a sustainable perspective, supported by the Honorable Premier. Uh, hold on, hold on. Caribbean. Yeah. A little applause. I see Jared is still there. He's happy to see that. Jared, does that not warm your heart? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Everybody wants to, to meet her. We would love to get an interview with her. Ooh, mm -hmm. Ooh, the tea by the tea. I would take CMR to the next level. <laughs> well, I can, I'll do what I can in respect to that and try to see if that can happen. But we will have this conference on the 12th to the 15th of September, and it's intended to include Cayman's industry stakeholders uh, with the regional ministers, senior executives from all the airlines and transportation industries across the region, as well as international delegates like Ms. Mia Motley and regional and international media here in the Cayman for those days. I'm really excited about this because it allows us to continue to be at the forefront of the things that we do best as tourism and financial services. We've been the gem of the Caribbean. I'm happy to, I'm taking that title because we're always leaders in that respect. And for the Cayman to be chosen as the conference location to bring all the regional leaders to one location to discuss how COVID and the pandemic has affected us from a tourism perspective. There's so much wealth of knowledge that will happen at that conference and we should be proud of a jurisdiction um, to be hosting it. And me as minister, I am excited to be the, the host minister, but also to learn from all of my colleagues about how to make sure that we continue to have a successful and robust tourism system and make sure that we recover back to where we once were before. With that being said, Sandy, uh, and, and the guys, thank you so, so much for having me on the show, Zared. Um, it was really a good show. I think it was very productive, the information that we talked about. And I look forward to potentially, while I'm over there, if you want to, if we can do a quick video call um, to, to keep the people of the Cayman Islands um, um, up to date on what we're yes. doing, what we're seeing. Um, and, and keep them informed, as well as a, a post-seminar yes. um, conference meeting um, to, to keep the people informed. Absolutely. Sandra, thank you so much. Thank you, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, you too. All right, folks, that's the Minister of uh, Transport, Tourism and Transport, none other than the Honorable Kenneth Bryan. Again, he is traveling in the coming days to this um, Congress, this meeting with transportation leaders and experts. Uh, he's got his um, contingents uh, that's traveling with him. And, uh, you know, they're the experts on the civil service side who need to really learn this information. And they will be meeting up with delegates from around the region. So this is a perfect opportunity for all of us to be involved in the process and to learn. So we would be delighted to hear um, from the minister and his team while they are there exactly what they're learning. So folks, thank you guys so much for tuning in this morning. Um, it's a beautiful day here in the Cayman Islands. I spent the last two days on the stand. I'm going to tell you all about that when I can. Not quite yet, but soon come. Um, very, very interesting times. But, you know, the, the business of this country is so in, 
more important than anything that's going on with me personally, that I try to really keep as much of the focus on those uh, discussions and those issues. But I know y'all like the sifts every once in a while, Charles. So I'm going to kind of leave it to the side. Um, but uh, I will definitely keep you guys informed. So thank you, Ms. Brenda, Jonathan, Anthony. Um, who else was here? Gabby. Uh, Denny, for your contributions. Thank you, Eddie, for calling in. And I'm glad that Eddie called in. I'm so sad to see that he's so discouraged. He's just like, ugh, I'm done talking to y'all because y'all ain't listening. Well, apparently they kind of do, sort of will listen to Cayman Mall Road. So y'all call in. Let them let hear what you got to say, child. It's your government, whether you voted for them or not. So thank you ever so much. Again, uh, folks, there is a meeting that is coming up, a community meeting from this organization, the Mandarin Oriental Hotel. They're hosting a public meeting. So listen, we have to accept people at face value until we have a reason not to, right? I've said this before. So the management team over there, they're sponsoring this gathering and they're saying they want everyone to come out, especially if you're, impacted because you live in that area. Find out more about the project. They're going to answer your questions, um, your concerns, you know, show you drawings of the project, tell you what, what, what it is really. And so this is your opportunity to get correct and accurate information and to ask your questions. So come on out, um, you know, to this uh, event. It is one week from today. Uh, actually, less than a week now, next week, Tuesday. So here we go, folks. This is the details on the event. The developers of the Mandarin Oriental Beach Bay Project would be honored to have you attend this one-of-a-kind Q&A information session. We are committed to community engagement and transparency and working closely with the people of the Cayman Islands. The journey begins soon, and we want you to be part of it. Come and have your questions answered and learn more about all the phases of this project, from inception to completion and beyond. This project is destined to be a major development for both the Beach Bay community and the Cayman Islands as a whole. So please join us on June 7th at 469 Beach Bay Road for a community meeting. We look forward to having you there. Light refreshments will be served. And so they're asking you to um, message at beach buildbeachbay.com so that they can have an idea I think what they need to do as far as seatings and refreshments it is an indoor venue because they attempted to do some other stuff uh, with the locations as far as I'm I understand and unfortunately those did not work out so they do need to have an idea of how many people will be in attendance so shoot them a quick email RSVP um, so that they can have everything organized properly and uh, yeah come out and, and see what this is all about to my mind this is the first time that a project developer especially a project of this magnitude has really sought to engage the community before the project even got started and I think that that's important uh, you know everybody wants to be critical um, after a project is done or once it's gotten approved or whatever. And when the developers are saying, hey, we want to engage with the community. We want to speak with the community. We want to tell you guys exactly what the project is about. So there's no information out there in the public realm. You don't show up. This is your opportunity to show up and, and to demonstrate you really care beyond just making one or two negative comments, right? All right, folks. Um, thank you guys again so much. I've got tons of work. The stack of work just never seems to go down as far as I'm concerned. But you know, when you love what you do, eh, not that it's not work, but you really do enjoy it. All right. Big shout out to everyone who's working to make the Cayman Islands um, a better place. Appreciate your love and support here in this platform and across our social media uh, platforms as well. And the website, CaymanMallRoad.com. Check it out for all the latest news. And you guys have a pleasant and absolutely gorgeous and beautiful day. Stay safe.